You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Please request permission oh, from the meeting. already. How's that? Okay. <laughs> I, I, right. I can always edit it too. Okay. Perfect. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Fantasy Bros Before Pros Podcast Hiatus Over. <laughs> Here with Faraz. Faraz, what's up, my guy? What's up, man? It's been too long since I've been on this podcast, man. Yeah, man. I mean, as an honorary bro, I had to come to you right away. Like, and just <laughs> and, and I just really wanted to get my feet wet again, man. And and just, you know, I, I feel like this year is going to be the craziest year for fantasy football, you know, for obvious reasons. And I just want to get back into it and just get back into, into you know, I miss this podcast. I miss it a lot. Like, I miss, I miss doing this part, you know. Like, I, I've been a little wrapped up in everything else, but I want to get back to, you know, what, uh, what I love. And, what, uh, and this year is going to be full of fantasy because I'm in, like, 25, 30 leagues right now. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy, man. I know every year you're always in, like, all these crazy-ass leagues, man. It's nuts. Right. Well, so let me ask you. Let me, yeah. I, I, we can start with this. I mean, and yeah. if you guys don't know Faraz, Faraz is uh, – the what is it the founder right like that's that's the word I guess. Yeah. I guess that's the word the founder of um upper hand fantasy um at upper hand fantasy on instagram you guys know um, anybody who's been listening to the show before knows who Faraz is knows uh you know knows our sort of dynamic but for those that are new to the show you know Faraz uh you know what Faraz just tell us a little bit about you know what you got going on on your page and everything and, and you know how you got into this yeah i mean it's just you know basically everything fantasy football you know put up you know like clips like this from from podcasts and just there's any type of like value that I can bring to people for people to win their fantasy football championships that's basically what I try to do like basically I just analyze fantasy football and I just put everything out there like everything everything I got I put it out there on Instagram so yeah yeah that's basically but yeah anyway like you know I have a open door policy so just hit me up just dm me you know what I mean? And like, we can, we can, we can figure stuff out. I, I actually had someone hit me up today on my comments. I'm like, it's so funny. Like, this is the one thing. This is the first time I even got a comment like this. It was like, Hey, what would you recommend for a fantasy football newbie this year? And I'm like, Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not something that if you're following a fantasy football page or whatever, like that's actually, I'm surprised that that's like the first time I ever got that question. Like what, what would you, I was like, that's just such a loaded question, man. Like, I don't even know where to start. You know, like, how do you even start? Like, how do you even, like, I'm going to need to know a little bit more about you before I can give you this answer. <laughs> yeah, man, 100%. So I was just like, all right, well, listen, I literally told him, I was like, all right, well, in your draft, just relax. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it could be overwhelming. <laughs> right. But yeah, man, that's it. You know, like, it's just, that's what it is, you know, like, and that's how me and you, that's how I met you. Right. And that's it. And, and now we're, we're doing podcasts. 
Right. That's what I was going to say too, guys. Like, you know, he's a great follow, not only because the information is, is easy to digest and it's not, um, it's not overly complicated. Um, and it comes at you in a good way on Instagram. You know, they come with these good, great graphics and then all the information is in the comments. And, you know, like for I said, the open door policy that he has is absolutely true. It's what, it's what got us connected. you know, I used to just jump in his comments, you know, and he pretty much answers everybody, you know, um, he has a number that you can text if you want some advice. I uh, I tried to go under a burner account and see if what he thought about Curtis Samuel, but he he found out I changed my name. So uh, yeah, he was confused at first because he was like, "Yo, nobody else likes Curtis Samuel like that." And then he looked and he was like, "What the, is Jay? Is, is Jay, is this you? Is this your burner?" <laughs> no, no, it's not Jay. It's not Jay. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, follow him on there at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram for sure, guys. You will not regret it. Um, great information. Um, great interaction. Um, the comments aren't toxic, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's right. a good experience on Instagram. That's a good environment. Yes, for sure. It's, safe, it's, uh, safe yeah. Environment. yeah, absolutely. And it's a safe space and everything as well. So, <laughs> um, so kind of piggybacking off of, you know, before we get into everything, I wanted to ask you how many leagues is too many leagues for you? Now, remember you yourself create content, so you have to set aside a lot more time to make sure that that gets done, you know, but if you were, if you weren't creating content, let's say. How many leagues is too many to the point where you you can't even manage all of them? And would you join leagues that are not um, for money? Like, do free leagues completely turn you off? Free leagues do completely turn me off unless there's some other incentive. Like, you know, I'm in a league with, like, I don't know, like Jay-Z or some shit. Like, like, okay. like have you seen, like, Matthew Berry, like, in, in the 4040 Club with Jay-Z? I'm like, yo, what is this dude doing in the 4040 Club right now with Jay-Z just kicking it? It's hilarious. But, yo, good for him, man. Good for him. That, that's yeah. fantasy, though. Like, we Who get knows? to do stuff like that. Right. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, no, if that was a free league, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. for, for, for bragging rights, of course. You know what I mean? Uh, but, no, nah, I think I would most likely do it for money most i would say like 90 percent of my leagues have to be for money um otherwise the thing like for me i will be fine but i think what ends up happening is that towards the middle of the season you know a lot of people get disinterested you know but then when there's money on the line everyone goes hard and it makes a huge difference you know as far as like competitively with everybody else in the league right um but like yeah if i was not putting out content i would say i would probably be in like 10 to 15 leagues maybe um i think anything more than that i would need a co-owner who would do who would like basically does everything except like certain big moves like i'll get a text like hey like i'm thinking about doing this and i'll be like hey go for it or like hey let me get more details or whatever like then i would then it's fine and i had that and now i have that in a couple leagues now uh, because, and these are a couple of these I was already in. And once I started putting out the content, I was like, yo, I'm either going to leave this league or I need somebody to own it with me. So that's kind of, I kind of went that route in the, in the leagues that I cared about. But now, putting out content and stuff like that, yo, I'll be honest with you, I actually like putting out the content more than playing fantasy football. Than playing fantasy, right? <laughs> so you don't have to worry about, you know, like, like for me, for instance, like with all these teams, um, you know, waiver night is hell. Um, it takes too yeah, long. Exactly. You know? Hundred percent, man. And you know what? During the season, when I gotta put out content, like I'm worried about everybody else's waivers. Right. Like, I'm putting out content for everybody else, and and how, I mean, am I really gonna sit there for hours? You know what I'm saying? On Tuesday night, 
putting in all my waiver claims until like two in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like I'd rather, if I'm going to stay, stay up until two in the morning, I'd rather be making up, making some content. And that's just how I, how I roll. Like when you're, when you're in a manageable number, like a good amount of leagues, then that waiver night is fun. <laughs> right? Like right, right, right. it's fun. Like you, you're in a couple leagues and you're like, all right, cool. This is who I want to pick up. Blah, blah. All right. I'm done in an hour. Right. Like that's when it becomes fun. Um, but I think the co-owner thing is a good idea if it gets too overwhelming. So when you said that you're in like 20 to 25 leagues, I am. is that real? Yeah, it is. It's a real number. <laughs> and that's that's in, that's on sleeper only. Um, I right. have. It's so easy in, to make leagues on sleeper. That's why. Yeah, that's the thing. One, I'm 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 on sleeper more, but I'm in leagues in, on ESPN. I'm in leagues on Yahoo. I'm in leagues on NFL.com that I'm waiting to like restart. But those are redrafts. The problem that I'm having right now is I'm addicted to two forms of fantasy right now: dynasty and best ball. And well, best ball too. Like, okay, I joined okay. a I joined a, a World Cup league, um, a best right. ball league. That was really good. That was fun. You know, you get the we. It was a uh, it was almost like pros versus Joes. So like gotcha. there was you know like there's some guys that are actual experts and and you know regular people. You know right. like because I have a podcast, they labeled me expert. Right, right. Of course. Well, um, you know what? I mean, if 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 that app draft was still around and never got bought by FanDuel and they right. abolished it, which sucks. I think they'll everyone would be playing basketball right now. But right. That's that's anyway. What were you It's on DraftKings. It's on DraftKings now for uh, for here and Yahoo. Oh yeah, and is is the platform is it is it is it not is it pretty good like as far as like, the, the Yahoo platform is the one that I preferred before I yeah. got put on a sleeper. Um right. so it's beautiful on there, but sleeper doesn't have it yet. So that's that's kind of the thing. The so like with sleeper like you said it's so easy to make um a league I'm addicted to dynasty leagues and I'm addicted to super flex leagues at this point. Oh, like, I, I don't, don't want to play in any league that's not a super flex anymore. Um, just because, you know, I was having this discussion um, earlier with one of my friends. We were celebrating George Kittle's extension. So I right. went out there <laughs> a little bit earlier. Um, but I was, I was telling him that, you know, in, in the NFL, the most important player on the field is the quarterback. And yet in fantasy and single quarterback leagues, they tend to be the least important um, to your team. You know, so I like bringing the importance back to it. Like, I'm, I'm in super flex drafts where if I get 1-6, I'm probably not flinching on Kyler Murray in a dynasty league, like, right, right. there to get him at 1-6. And then yep. to come back around at, like, 3-10 to see, you know, like and, – and then, you know, I'm either getting, like, Burrow or Daniel Jones. Like, like it's fun. It just, it just changes up the strategy. And then what happens in the super flex leagues is guys become values just based on people reaching for quarterbacks. That You know, it gets to a certain point that – when you see so many quarterbacks off the board, like if you're sitting around waiting in a super flex league to pick a quarterback and there's like three left and you've got to like burn like on rivers and like car and like, you right. don't want to do that. So you want to have one really high end guy, one floor play and one guy who could like mix in for exactly, you. you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I like the strategy of super flex. So you're saying that you like two types of leagues right now, dynasty and, and then flex. dynasty super flex. Yes. I mean, yeah. I'm in some redraft Superflex leagues, too, and sure. I'm trying. All of, my, all of my redraft leagues, I'm trying to show people the light. The problem is, is that um, people have a tough time breaking away from it because I was hesitant to it, too, you know. But then I got into one, and it was, it was all downhill from there. Like, the strategy now, of it was great. Let me ask you a question. Yep. What do you think is more challenging for you as a commissioner mm. to change your league to as far as, like, getting everyone's buy-in? Right. Changing from standard to PPR? Mm. Or changing non-superflex to superflex. It's gonna be non-superflex for superflex because I got them to switch real quick. Like we ran standard leagues for so long, and I can't right. even like imagine how that's possible. Oh, of course. I mean, now that everybody's in it, like nobody wants to go back. Obviously, no. 
No. So it's, it's definitely super flex. I think that what it is is that the guys that are in my home leagues that I'm trying to get them to convert over, they realize that that's a whole different ball game and they kind of just want to keep it simple. Like, you know, <laughs> right, like right, – Exactly. Like, like Especially, like, uh, they know that you know your shit, too. Oh, yeah, of course. So, they, <laughs> so the, the issue with this is, right, is we have a podcast, right, and I'm in with my friends or whatever, you know, like, when I used to win the league, like, whatever, like, it was fine. But, you know, like you said, we get into, you know, doing the content, things like that. So if I catch a loss in a week, my, my group chat is just people just blasting me. as it, Like, it's like when, when, when you get a win against me, they, like, take their victory lap and, like, just go <laughs> It's like, well, that's annoying. Anything could happen. Like, like, I was just talking, like, I was just talking to my friend. Sammy Watkins is the bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> book end, and I'm going to explain to you guys why. Anybody who's part of the show and knows, knows I'm a 49er homer, clearly, right? Now, week one against the Jags, I played a guy who, like, I had to, like, beg, join my, beg to join my league just to fill it, right? right. He starts fucking Sammy Watkins against oh, the course. Jaguars, and he goes off for 40 fucking points. 67% of his fantasy points were in one fucking game against me. <laughs> Right now, of fast course. forward to February when I'm in Miami for the Super Bowl. Sammy Watkins doesn't want to do shit all year, but he can fucking burn Sammy up. He can burn Richard Sherman for a fucking bomb pass that that like led to my team's demise. <laughs> Sammy Watkins, fuck you, bro. Fuck you, man. Like, it's just like, why did you do this to me all year? What did I ever do to you? Dude, I I, player. I honestly wish I was home that week. The week one, it was it was Jets Bills. I went to that game. Mm-hmm. It, was, it might have been the worst game I've ever seen in my life. Like. Like it was, the, I think the final score was like sixteen nine. Yeah, you guys two. were up. We were up the whole game. It was like nine to three, right? And then like they came back and they. Won. I think John Brown caught like a touchdown late. Okay. Something Sorry. like that. <laughs> and then Devin Singletary caught like ten passes in his first game as a rookie or some shit. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Robbie, but they still don't want to use him at the goal line. <laughs> I was starting Robbie Anderson. Dude had like one catch. Uh yeah. Well, he got the. I'm sure he got the Trey White uh treatment that game. He did it. No. He did it, man. That was the funny part. Trey White didn't even follow him, which is hilarious. Wow. That's not cool. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, man. So, dude, there's so much going on. Like, I'm so happy that training camp is, like, kind of back and, you know, shit is happening. Like, George Kittle got his extension. And then Travis Kelsey's agent woke up from the dead and was like, what? They were waiting, honestly. They were waiting. So, like, I think – they, they were waiting for him to reset the market, and they knew that this was Kelsey's third contract. He wasn't going to go above yep. that and do that. So, um, you know, good for him. You know, the problem is, is that, you know, because I keep for the 49ers on my Twitter, you know, I write for them and all that shit, yep. is everybody comes at me with the Kelsey shit and Kittle shit, and I, I just won't stand for – look, fantasy-wise, I'm not even – I'm going to look you dead in the camera, and I'm going to tell you, I would rather have Travis Kelsey this season than George Kittle. Dynasty, that's not even close. But – Right. If you talk about real life NFL tight end, it's my guy. Like I'm sorry, like it is, and 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 I'm not really here to have a discussion about it. Like I hate right. to be so close minded about it, but it just it seems at this so- point. At this point, it, it's it's like if you're thinking that Kelsey's still the best tight end, like compared to Kittle, like you haven't watched Kittle, you haven't watched those games yet. You know, or, what I mean? um, it's just it just it's there is a a shifting of the guard a little bit at this point. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, do you want to start with uh, some of the news that we got? So yeah, we got. Let's do it. Let's we got Kelsey. We got Kittle locked in. Um, the Bills um, re-up one of their linemen as well, too. Dawkins. That's you know that's good for whatever you believe about the the Bills rushing attack. <laughs> yep, yep. But exactly. I want to get into all right. So I, I kind of want to start first with uh, with this news out of um. Well, first of all, you know what? Let's not even start with that. Did you watch Red Knox? I did, man. I love. It was a good episode. I thought. I thought it was interesting, like with all the COVID stuff going on and all that. You know, you know what stood out to me the most? 
you know what what was funny was Sean Buffet when he came out with the uh, with the face mask, right? And then like he he was like in that meeting with the face mask, yep. and there was another coach who was like, "Hey guys, listen, if I'm gonna be in this room, all you guys have to be like six rows back, right? Because I don't want to be talking too loud, you guys." Sean McVay was addressing the whole team with his mask off, right? And like was just like yelling <laughs> at his team. And guys were guys were like in the first row, like right next to him, like, oh boy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh boy, here we go. You know what I mean? And like this is just training camp, you know, like it's hilarious. Like, like there's some shit that's gonna just it's just bound to happen. There's gonna be an outbreak at some oh, yeah. point. Yeah. Some yeah. thought is gonna is gonna be able to actually be able to dress up like a player properly and be able to get into one of those hotels and actually do cause some damage. So Faraz is making light of a situation that just came out today of a rookie cornerback um, for the Seattle Seahawks who tried to sneak in a young woman into his hotel and he got cut immediately. Yep. Immediately. I have a question. And she, and she was dressed up. Like a Seahawks, like a Seahawks member, yeah. Like, like, and they they said that they like. They, I don't know if this is a joke. I saw it on Twitter or whatever. It might be a joke that they said that they could tell from the chest that it was a woman. <laughs> Yo, that's hilarious. I just laughed about it. So the question I have is this: like, I'm not mad at the Seahawks for making a move like that and just setting the example. Like, this is not going to be tolerated, right? But right. Quentin Dunbar was literally like holding up a barbecue or whatever, and they were like, "Let's wait for the facts," you know? Like, why is I mean, I'm so surprised he's off the commissioner list already. So I, I don't know what I don't know what happened. Um, right. Apparently, like there's no charges, and I don't get I don't get how there's no charges. And DeAndre Baker, they're gonna nail him to the wall. Like it's yeah. like we him. Like um, did, so did, did he pull a Takashi? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't well, know what that's happened. what well, it's either. That's what I did. I put on Twitter or whatever him with the the Chris Paul like the the fake. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like looking like that, like Takashi. Oh, did you? I didn't even see that. That's so. Yeah, funny. yeah. I had to screw that. It's the Seattle Seahawks. I would troll them all day on the 100%, internet. 100. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Um, and then you know it's either that or they, he pays somebody off. But whatever. The problem that I have with it is, is you wanted to wait on the Dunbar stuff because he's a really good player. You see this rookie cornerback doing this, and you're just about to just get rid of him without no warning or nothing like that. Um, and that could tarnish the, the the rest of the time in the league. Like people may not take a shot in this kid just because of that or whatever. But yeah, I don't want to get too far into that or whatever. But it's no, I get funny. it though. But the, the 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 interesting, like what I was, I was when he got off the commissioner list, I was like, that's it. Because even though there were no charges filed against them, it's like you know Roger Goodell is usually super hard on players, and even in those type of situations, right? Like you can't even get yourself in that type of situation, regardless whether it charges or not. Like if Antonio Brown was in some situation like that. Josh Gordon. Like, Josh Gordon. Roger Goodell would be like, um, you can't come back into the league. Ever. And it's just like, it's like it seems like a double standard to me. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what. Ezekiel what, Elliott didn't have charges. This is, yeah, you know. The Zeke that. Elliott thing, exactly. That's, that's a, much be, a much better point. Like, the Zeke Elliott thing, didn't, he didn't have charges. And, you know, was, everything he did was alleged. And then the girl even apparently, like, said that, you know, it wasn't true and shit. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. You know, it's, yeah. it's weird, weird stuff. I just, I just, you know, like, I was just upset be because now, you know, this fucking, this Legion of Boom 2.0 is, like, about to happen as far as, like, their secondary. Like, they have no yeah, pass you know rush. Um, yeah, you are. Our defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, is hilarious, man. He's so funny. He basically said that Jamal Williams is going to get bored in Seattle because they're not going to use him the same way that he did. Did you hear what Pete Carroll said to that? No, I didn't. What did he say? 
He goes, he won't get bored because we don't make as many mistakes as Greg Williams does. Oh, damn. Whoop! Damn. I don't like I don't like Pete Carroll, but if you're gonna troll a guy, I just I look for us. I despise Greg Williams. Despise <laughs> him. I despise him. Look, one, you're a piece of shit human being. Like we don't have to talk about right, that. Right, but right. two, these defenses that you come and you take over, you never like launch them to being a, an elite defense ever. Like he's never had, he's never run an elite defense. Like he, right. like he, he has. He's, a, he's known for like being this attacking. Right, like it's, it's never necessarily great, like on the back no. end or whatever. Right now, now last year with the Jets, no, he 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 made do with absolute no, absolutely right. nothing. And so they had a tough run defense. Avery Williamson, they were out. You right. know, what I'm saying basically he, he had Marcus May and Jamal Williams, and that's that's about it. Honestly, corners didn't have any of those. Didn't have a pass rush. It wasn't good. But well, Jamal he, Adams was essentially your fucking your your linebacker also in there exactly. too. He's tight ends. He does it all, bro. Now him, CJ Mosley gone, it's gonna be bad. Yeah, well, you know, we just gotta see what happens. So yeah, I thought the hard knocks episode was really I I'm glued to this hard knocks because I am just like completely fascinated with how this training camp's gonna go. Yeah. I have to be honest with you, man, when Anthony Lynn was talking in the beginning and he um and he told the story about how he had COVID, yo, mm-hmm. like when he was done. I wanted to run through my fucking wall. Like, I, I I, love these shows because I wind up walking away enamored with the coach. Like, right. I, I've been on record saying this. Um, I like All or Nothing better than Hard Knocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because All or Nothing's during the season. Exactly. Um, and you get to see week-to-week preparation. And the production's um, a little bit better, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only thing that HBO, I mean, that Hard Knocks has over um, is probably Lee Schreiber is this much better of a narrator than John Hamm. Um, <laughs> right, 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 right. But um, I walked away when I watched the Carolina Panthers one. I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "I thought I, I thought that I believed that Ron Rivera was already a great coach," and I just walked oh, away man. from it like, "Yeah, like he's a leader of fucking men." He's a man, he, dude. Ron Rivera, already the Washington Football Team. So yeah. I gotta make sure I say that right. I know, right, dude? That like I don't know if you remember that halftime show, that halftime speech he had to give that one time against like, the Pittsburgh, rip, against the Steelers, right? Yeah, he had to rip everyone a new asshole in that one, dude. That was serious. That was such a good, cool moment to catch on camera, man. But that's what I mean. And it's like, you need to see things like that. Like, the other yeah. thing, the thing that really, the, the thing, I mean, we could wrap this up because we're already, this is how me and you go. Like, we just want to talk happens, to it. bro. And it's late, too. It's just like, this is not, we're not even starting this at like 7 p.m. <laughs> it's late as fuck. <laughs> so, look, the, the, the thing that I really walked away impressed was, like, when Devin Funches was struggling, right? And he wasn't, he just wasn't playing well. And then, like, he, he tells, you know, the general manager and Ron Rivera, like, you know, I um I lost somebody really close to me, and Ron Rivera wasn't like, you know, like, oh, whatever, suck it up. Like, he pulled him to the side, and while Devin Funches was crying, he was like, bro, he's like, why didn't you just come talk to me? Like, right. and, and that's, like, that proved that he's, like, a leader of men. But he already has the respect because he's already played on probably the greatest defense of all time. He's from the 85 Bears, so you right. got to give him his respect right off that. But he is a leader of men, and he is a modern coach. Like, he's not one of these guys that's going to, like, you know, like, I hate the, the cliches, you know, like, you know, do your job works for Belichick, but I hate all that, like, bring your lunch pail, all that shit. That shit doesn't um, get younger guys moving. Like, it's like true, you man. know, like. And, and I feel like, you know, sometimes Belichick, when you bring up Belichick sometimes, like, and you compare him to, like, a modern coach, you know, he might not, if he has, like, an elite player, he might not use that elite player to, like, their complete strengths because he doesn't want that player to be bigger than the team. Right, like, can you imagine if if Bill Belichick had someone like Christian McCaffrey? Like, he would not be on the field 100% of snaps. He would not get like 35 touches a game. Um, but he he does on the Panthers because guys like Ron Rivera and um, 
uh, North Turner, they were willing to, to, to use a guy because they know what strengths they have, right? And they're willing to kind of adapt to it instead of just going, uh, you know, going about their ways, you know? Right, absolutely. And I think uh, you talking about the Patriots and us talking about that, we can segue right into the news. And I'll start with the one that actually matters. So Evan Silva today came out and said that, uh, you know, well, he didn't come out today and said he re- he basically retweeted an article from The Athletic basically saying that they don't expect Sonny Michelle to be uh, ready for the season. He's going to be on PUP, which will probably put him on the short-term PUP for half the season. Right. Um, now there's news that came out today about Lamar Miller, who just was signed, if you guys didn't know, now being on PUP. So we, I already, me, myself, um, I already was expecting a big year from James White only because, like, I know the trust factor that they have with him, and it doesn't matter who's the quarterback. Like, when they got Cam, I got even more excited about him because they're going to use him. He has his role. He's defined. But yeah. I've been getting Damian, Damian Harris shares everywhere. Right. I've been taking him very late in all these dynasty drafts knowing that he doesn't have to do very much to overtake Sony to have that, that, that goal line or early down work because yeah. Sony, let's, let's keep it a buck. Looked like shit last year, um, like very bad, you know, like, and, and he can't catch the ball, right? So if, and you know Belichick, if somebody's going to outperform somebody, he's going to run with that guy right away. So Damian Harris, all he has to do is show a little bit in camp, and he's going to be the starter with James White having his role. And I would, be, I would be comfortable as long as we know, you know, that's the issue, right? We, do we know how Belichick's going to use Harris? Do we know? Um, is he going to get all the carries or is he just going to be like, or is he just going to start Harris for two snaps and then fucking Rex Burkhead's in the game? All you know, like that, <laughs> right. That's the only thing that kind of scares you, but I've been trying to get my hands on Damian Harris. Now with these, with this news of Sony and Lamar being on, on pup, um, his, his ADP is going to rise for sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I want to see how long Lamar is going to be on the pup for, right? Cause it seems to me like he's recovered you know, from his ACL, but, you know, maybe he can't perform right away. Like, I, I really want to, I'm really curious as to, like, why he's still on the pup right now. Sonny Michelle's thing is obvious, right? He had that offseason surgery. I think it was on the foot, right? And uh, we, we had no idea. Like, I think we found out about it, like, a month or two after it happened. Um, but I think Lamar Miller, I'm kind of interested in him, personally. Like, if he comes off the pup, like, in a week or whatever, right? Or, or in, in two weeks before week one right I'm interested in him just because he's the most versatile guy out of everybody in that backfield you know and the most capable but if he's coming off pup like what a week before week one how ready is he going to be right Right? like he hasn't practiced with anybody it's not like the most it's not the easiest you know playbook to learn and all that so I don't know like I I agree with you though if Lamar Miller didn't join like I would be all in on Damian Harris right now um just because of how late he's going I think more people probably lean towards James White. Um, as far as Cam, like, you know, leaning on James White, I could definitely see it happening. Um, and if James White is the only guy that Belichick trusts, he'll probably be on the field on early downs too. They'll just, instead of running the ball, they'll just dump short passes off to James White. They've done that in the past. That's the extension of the running game. The exactly. Issue is, the issue is with this crazy year is like, you know, like, I, I, at first I was like, well, I don't care about preseason games, but preseason games would have been really good this year for us to figure out, um, you know, who's running the ball well, at least, you know, or who mm-hmm. looks good. Um, we just, now, um, you know how they, you know how we usually give the advice, don't get too hyped up or whatever you read from a beat writer. Right. That's all we're going to have. That's it. You know, like that's exactly. all we're going to 
it's all we're gonna have and then we have to determine like what the fluff is what isn't and like we're gonna have to make some really crazy determinations and then week one comes and we're gonna be like what like we were not seeing we did not see that coming but we had a preview we usually have a preview in week two in week three especially we kind of have a good understanding of how things are happening as long as players play um but with this backfield it's one of those situations where you will likely be surprised of what happens, right? Rex Burkett has messed up, you know, James White, uh, James White snap share in the past, right? And then you have if if, if Lamar Miller's active as well, I don't know, man. Like I don't even want to go towards James White's ADP. Like James White's ADP is fine, right? But I I don't I don't know if there's a guarantee that you know he's gonna be the primary running back on the field. Like is he gonna get more than fifty percent of snaps? I don't know. Right, right. I just don't know. But the the good thing that the thing that's working in his favor is that they they don't have that many weapons. They have yeah, Edelman, yeah. and that's really about it, right? Like Edelman and James White. That's really like I, I guess Mohamed Sanu, and then you know they have their second year guy. You know, I would yeah, that's the guy I was gonna bring up. The guy that also I've been trying to get shares of. I feel like that's the second year breakout opportunity. First of all, he was injured. You know, second of all, he he really didn't get a lot of like again the trust factor. If Brady doesn't trust you, if Belichick doesn't trust you, they're not gonna throw you out there regardless of draft right. capital. But you know, here's the thing: like with this with this whole team, and then you know we can we can move on too because there's a lot of crap to get through. Like and sure. the, the thing that you said is like the fluff, and the next thing that I'm gonna bring up is it kind of sounds like fluff, but yeah, I, I kind of already know how you're gonna go with it. But uh-huh. um, I just get afraid of um, you know relying on these guys, right? Like if you like if you think you have a hunch, like Edelman seems like the only safe one, yeah, but and even, and even with the running backs, there's still this some sort of concern of can being used around the goal line um as usual you know like I, I just yep. don't know how they plan to use him and week one I think you pointed it out but I, I believe I, I agree with you wholeheartedly or whoever it was that said it but week one is usually the best waiver wire week because now you've learned who's really going to be playing and you really have to go get those guys right away like you can't sleep on the first week right and, and what I like to do is a lot of the like yeah obviously this year you might have a bigger bench because of COVID right maybe your commissioner puts some extra bench spots on your roster Right. And what I would do is I would look to look, look through the waiver wire list, you know, before week one, before that Thursday night, and just look to see like, who can, who is a guy who can potentially have a role that we're, that could make sense. You know what I'm saying? saying? Like, for example, like Damian Harris, right? Like, will he be drafted in every league? I don't know. Depending on how Lamar Miller is, is as far as his health and all that. But like, Maybe you want to put him on the end of your bench just to see what if, what you know, miraculously the Patriots are this, they, they want to just go super run heavy, right? And Damian Harris gets 18 carries that first week, right? And then you're like, oh, okay. And he's already on your team. But yeah, I agree. Week one is going to be where you find out so much and you're going to be, you, you, there's going to be a huge churn on, on your rosters after week one, especially this year. For sure. And I think that um the, right after Edelman, like, and Edelman and White are the guys that actually you have to make a decision on to draft, like, during. But, like, yeah. Harris and and Keel, that feels like end of the draft, like, type, like, you know, picks at the end of the draft just to see. Like, at the end of the draft, you better just be picking up people that, you know, like, have a have a high upside, but yeah. we just don't know and you want them to sit there. Yeah, 100%, man. Like, it, it, and it's really about the upside. Like, I would only shoot for upside. Like, if you're going to draft a guy and you're like, oh, you know, he can give me 10 points per week. It's just like, all right, well, why don't you just draft somebody else who you're probably not going to start, but if opportunity comes up, they can actually, like, 
be a staple of your of your team or and right. have a ton of upside. For sure. And and I think you touched on it on one of your posts too. And it's been a strategy that I've had just because guys, if COVID COVID's around or whatever, at the end of your draft, you better be targeting your your the handcuffs, not your mm-hmm. handcuffs other people's handcuffs like i have tons i have a shitload of tons in in redraft and in um in dynasty i have shares of pollard i have shares of madison i have shares of chase edmonds i don't have Kenyon drake in all those leagues i'm just you know like this is the year that if that happens now you're losing a guy for 21 days right and then you know like and and if this guy plays well he's probably going to take that job over like we've seen it happen like that where it's just hot hands so that's Kind of what you should be doing at the end of the draft. And, and for those three weeks, like if you already had a co- have a couple stud running backs, like you're gonna be hard to beat if you got three, you know, workhorse running backs on your roster at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you're starting all three of them, two running backs and another another stud in your flex. Like, it's gonna you're gonna be hard to beat at that point. For sure, for sure. So speaking through fluff, right? Coach talk, right? Mm-hmm. So Greg Olson, right? Was it Greg Olson um, from the Raiders? Yep, yep, the Raiders, yep. Greg Olson exactly. came out, said that they want to get Josh Jacobs involved. Oh, oh, oh are we going to talk about Ruggs and, 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 and sure. Henry? All right. So first he says that Henry Ruggs is going to be playing the slot. For you, right. Hunter Renfro, truthers, like, you know, when I've been drafting, I've been snatching him up where I could right. just because I thought that he was going to occupy that spot. I'm not all the way sold thinking that Ruggs is going to be playing inside. Um, I think that it'll be a little bit of both. Like he'll play yes. inside, he'll play outside, what, whatever the whatever the coverage and the situation need be. Um, Tyrell Williams should be on the other side, no matter what. Like he's right. going to be out there. It just boils down to how much do you think Ruggs is going to be inside, or is it just going to be Ruggs, Edwards, and and Williams, and Hunter Renfro's kind of left in the dark? Right. Yeah, so, I, I saw the press conference. Like I, when I saw the blurb, I'm like, can I find this press conference? I want to see what he said, because like I, I couldn't make sense of it, and like it didn't make sense to me because I was like, wait, so why would we play? Why would you play him primarily inside? What's going to happen to Hunter Renfro? Like he's gonna he'll be fine in the slot, right? Um, but then what I what I got out of it was like, as a rookie, right? You kind of go step by step, right? And they and they drafted. Henry Ruggs to be their flanker, their, their, the guy who lines up at the Z, who moves around outside and inside to the slot. Um, and that's a, a position that John Gruden has always had. And that is historically the position that he targets. Tim Brown, he did the same thing with Amari Cooper. He did the same thing with, like, you know, I don't know. Like, he had, he had so many. Well, the wide receivers he had were, like, the Bucks and the and, – and, Yeah, you know. exactly. Like, what, what's – I mean, I'm trying to think. Joey Galloway. Joey you know, Galloway, Joey Galloway, exactly. Yeah, perfect, Joey perfect. Galloway was there. To, you know, the, Keyshawn Johnson. Keyshawn, you know, like, and these were the guys, like, his wide receiver ones, right? And he always had a, an alpha wide receiver one who basically had a shit ton of targets, right? Like, his the, – the distribution was so top-heavy to, like, one singular guy, one singular wide receiver – that it's worth investing in, right? Yeah. Um, so that's 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 how I determine about rugs. Like what I think is going to happen, and then you know he and then he also mentioned Brian Edwards playing the X primarily. Why so, do I keep saying Henry Edwards? Why don't you stop me? You said Henry Edwards. I thought I thought you said Brian. I didn't even hear uh, him. I've been saying Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Edwards sounds like who a, is that? I don't even like know. The Prince of England. I don't know. Yeah, there but, you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what I got out of it. I, I I think that he said that. Like you know, as a rookie. You have to start somewhere, and the the what I when he said start, I don't think he means that he's going to be our starting slot wide receiver. Right. I think he meant like, you know, he's starting his development, 
and starting his learning process in the slot because right. that's one of the positions that he has to learn. And then right. he'll learn the outside. That's kind of how I took it, the way that he said it. You know what I mean? So I, I still think it's going to be him playing the Z, right, inside, outside. And when he comes inside, Hunter Renfro will probably come off the field. Tyrell Williams probably go to the Z. Um, and then Brian Edwards will probably stay at the X. Um, that's kind of how I see it. And then when he goes on the outside, rugs, and then, then we'll have um, Hunter Renfro coming in into the slot, you know. And then obviously you have Dan Waller who might play a little bit in the slot as well. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I see it. That's, how, that's what I took away from the press conference after like, actually watching it. Does that so, make sense? Yeah, no, for sure. Let me ask you this. So, um, so whenever news comes out negatively about players, right, I automatically think, okay, his ADP is going to get depressed. Right, um, right. And I think that's what's going to happen with Hunter Renfro. And if mm-hmm. he, he's going to go undrafted now in your home leagues, in your redraft leagues, he's going to go undrafted. He's still worth um, it. Yeah, for like yeah. last round pick in a full PPR league, yeah, hundred percent. Deal, yeah. Like I have him. Honestly, man, if you don't play full PPR, go fuck yourself. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we didn't alienate anyone or whatever. No, I'm gonna. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you. If, if you no, don't play PPR, if you don't play PPR, you know what I'm saying? It's fine. Go fuck yourself. Change your shit to Superflex or Superflex PPR. <laughs> <laughs> No, so that was that was some of the news that came out with the Raiders, right? But the other news that I wanted to get into was Josh Jacobs has a goal of 60 catches. Um, that sounds good. That sounds amazing. Not gonna happen. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm sure like his goals, his goals are lofty, and I appreciate that. Good for That's him. That's good. Right. I have high goals too, right? I, I I talked about you know playing fantasy football with Jay-Z in the 4040 club. But I don't think that shit is happening anytime soon. Not this year. <laughs> you know Not realistically, I mean? right? But yeah, exactly. What, what is it? Uh, you know, aim for the moon, land on the stars. Cool. That sounds good. If 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 Josh Jacobs was able to corral sixty catches, he's like a number. He'll be like the number three overall pick. He's right there in that tier, right under like Zeke, like right after Zeke, yeah, and like that, in that exactly. tier break of like Kamara and them. Like it's there. Hundred percent, and he should be. He he should be there because he's a talented dude. Like if he can. And he can catch the ball, you know, but, you know, you got to look at what the Raiders did, right? They extended Jalen Richard, and we know what role Jalen Richard had. He Being was annoying. coming in on third down, passing downs, and, and you know, Jacobs was coming off the field in those situations. And then they also drafted Lynn Bowden. So, and he's a guy who's coming out of the backfield as well and catching passes, lining up in the slot, all that. So those short to intermediate passes – are being locked up by Richard, Bowden, Hunter Renfro. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, Jacobs will catch – I think he caught, like, what, 30 balls last year or something like that, 28 balls or something. So if he can get to 45, I'll take that. If he can catch 45 balls, that, that, that means that he would be getting, like, 60 targets. And I don't even know where that's going to come from, to be honest. That's, that's, that's what I was going to ask you what's next. So Okay, so we just talked about Tyrell Williams. Yeah. We just talked about Henry Ruggs. We just talked about Edwards. We just talked about Waller. We yeah. just talked about Renfro. We just talked about Richard. I'm not certain where, and and I'm not certain where these targets are going to go. And the other thing is, is Derek Carr, Derek Carr's game is not down the field, obviously. So you you would think that would be good for Mm -hmm. a running back. The issue is, is I'm afraid of the Joe Mixon effect where they, they throw him the ball behind the line. There's five guys in front of them. Now (laughs) fucking make all of them miss or whatever. Like, you know, like, like I get into arguments all the time about Joe Mixon. Like, Oh, like I had a guy on Twitter tell me, He's he's okay. He's like he's never had. I'm like, bro. Do you watch the Bengals? Like, if they ever wanted to put Joe Mixon in the slot against a linebacker, that sure. shit is easy. 
money all day, like, yeah. if they were smart. Get him the ball. Like, and so, like, it, it has to do a lot with team, and that's that's the issue that I have, I think, with Jacobs. That's where it's bullshit. It's just because there's not enough targets to go around for all these yeah. guys, and they want to get Ruggs involved. They want to make sure that he and, – and Darren Waller's huge for them. Um, that's why – I mean, I'm a little bit off of Darren Waller this year just because of the same thing. Like, where these targets going to be divvied up, it's yeah. going to be tough for him to do what he did last year. And the place that people are drafting him is a little bit too rich for my blood, like just a little bit. And remember, we got Darren Waller for free uh, once we found out that – what did we find out? Why did we pick up Darren Waller? Oh, Antonio Brown. Right. Yeah, well – and, and then And then remember, Hard Knocks, they – like, everybody – every time they True. spoke to somebody, they were like, you know – and that's what I watch Hard Knocks for too, right? You know, so – and then, you, you know, know about this, it could, it could just lead right into the next thing, and you know what I'm going to talk about. Um, but can't just say something real quick. Like oh. you said that when you said, you know, you know what I thought about. So what? last night I was watching it. I was watching Hard Knocks on my computer, right? Uh-huh. And um, I, I, <laughs> my monitor. And like when when they were when the Rams were running their scrimmage, right? Like they showed a play, right? And the running backs were zooming out of the backfield. I paused the. I paused it to see what running back was coming out of the backfield. I bet you I know who it was. At first, it was Malcolm Brown, mm-hmm. right? And then I paused it again. It was Daryl Henderson. Thank you for bringing that up. So, look, uh, while we have to sift through all this fluff, um, right, they took the first team reps when it came to walkthroughs. Right. Here's the thing that I want everybody to make sure that they know about this season, right? And this is, this is for regular football, and this is for fantasy football. When you're making these decisions about who you should draft, I think that if you're caught in the middle, your tiebreaker is this. The continuity. Is this somebody from the same system who's been with the same quarterback this entire time? Or is this somebody trying to learn a new system in a new place? That might be the tiebreaker for me at this point. Um, There's certain guys that you don't worry about that. Like, you know, you're going to take Godwin. You're going to take Evans. They got Brady. That's fine. That's something that's new. That'll be fine. I'm talking about guys that are being acclimated to new situations at this point. As a rookie, especially. Right. That's what I mean. Like, we're not getting any of this stuff. Right. So in the beginning, it's only natural. Like, this is what gets me a little bit nervous about. Like, I see Jonathan Taylor going super high, you know, like, right. But oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're drafting him based on the idea that he's going to take it over. The only thing is, is that Marlon Mack has at least that experience there. So he's going to get the first shot. Now, what people are not thinking about when it comes to this, and that also is part of this. So Marlon Mack was, is named the starter, right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, but, He's going to use the hot hand, right? Right, And then Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown are our first-team reps on, on hard knocks mm-hmm. with Cam Akers and things like that. And it's, it's look, if you're going to take the risk, I, I feel you. Just know that his risk is baked in there because what happens if Marlon Mack comes out these first few weeks and balls the fuck out? Because, look, the kid doesn't catch the ball a lot, um, but his footwork is incredible. They have an amazing line. They're going to have plenty of scoring opportunities. So if he plays very well, it might take him a little bit longer than you think for him to take that job over. And you wasted, what, a third, fourth round pick on a guy who's a backup. Now, I understand if you think that he's going to take the job over, go ahead. But you need to know that that's baked into his risk and his ADP. Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor is like a potential league winner, but I think it's only going to happen if Marlon Mack gets hurt. Right. Like, I, I, I don't see a world where Marlon Mack can succeed behind that offensive line. Right. Right. He already had a thousand yard season. 
he's not going to go away, right? Frank no. Reich isn't going to let that happen. When Melvin Gordon came in uh, as a rookie, Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, and he didn't let Danny Woodhead go away. And no. Naheem Hines is going to be involved as well on passing down. So the, the amount of touches that, that Jonathan Taylor is going to get in the beginning of the season is not going to be high. Right. So, That's you know, and if that continues, that can continue the entire season, you're going to be disappointed. Listen, in, in, in Dynasty, like, you want to take him one-on-one? Sure. One-on-one? Sure, well, I don't if have you, a problem. If you, look, he went one-on-one in a few rookie drafts that I went before yeah. the about Damian yeah. Williams. Once the Damian Williams hit? Yeah, CEH, of course. I get it. And, like, it, it, it makes sense because like, he's a great prospect. Uh, but you can like a prospect but not like his price in redraft leagues. Correct. That's Fine. it. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about redraft. If, in, in, in Dynasty, like, we, I'm, I'm in a Dynasty startup right now. He went second round. Um, I get it. Who did? Jonathan Taylor. Oh, Dynasty startup. I'm sorry. I thought you said rookie. Startup, startup. Sorry. Yeah, startup with rookies and vets. Yeah, no, I thought you. I thought you meant rookie draft. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, no. What? <laughs> what? Let me join that league with Jonathan Taylor. Actually, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy. And one of my home Dynasty leagues that people see. This is the thing about the Dynasty leagues, right? Everybody gets nervous about joining them and losing trades and stuff like that, right? Because I'm yeah, always yeah. sending offers. So I wanted to move up um, in my rookie draft because I needed a receiver. I wanted CD Land. Right. Um, but when I got and I traded up, like I traded Fournette and my pick to move up. Like mm-hmm. I just got, I want him off my roster, my dynasty roster. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Like at this point, I got what I got from him last year and I'm like, all right, right this right. is fine. I think that's a good move, man. I have a post on Fournette tomorrow. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I, and this is before they started, the, the rumors about him being cut. I don't think that's happening, but I'm just saying. No, like, no. We're going to use the shit out of him this year or try yeah, to. They're just going to run him into the ground. Exactly. Into um, the ground is the key, the key, the key word there. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I traded that and I wanted CD Lamb. CD Lamb went the pick before, oh, but wow. JK, JK Dobbins is sitting me right in my face. Mm. Done deal. I was like, right. I didn't think I was trading up for JK Dobbins. Right. You know, I could have taken Jerry Judy. I could have, but I was like, man, Dobbins, that's too much. You know, like right. I can't, I can't let that go. No, you Beat can't. I mean, especially with Mark, Mark Ingram is going to be a free agent next year. Right. That's what I mean. This or is he it. was going like, to get cut. I forgot whether he was, uh, he's going to be a cap casualty or. He was, in, he was in his last he was in the last year of his deal. I, I think it's a cap casualty thing. Like, yeah. he's not going anywhere this year. I think that right now, Mark Ingram in redraft leagues is super undervalued. Like, oh, he's, yeah? like, going – Where's going he going right now? I, I, I've seen him go, like, fifth, sixth. Like, people are so on J.K. Dobbins. Right. Like, Mark Ingram's not going anywhere. But... He's not going anywhere. No, no, he's not. And, like, I think with Mark Ingram, like, you're really depending on those touchdowns, obviously. That's the you know, point. That, that, that's the thing. Like, he's going – I'm looking at it right now in PPR leagues, 12 teams, he's going at the end of the fourth round. That's – but, you know, you could essentially at that point already, realistically, have two stud running backs it's true. and him. It's true. It's true. And, and, and yeah, if, he's, if, he, if you take him in the fourth round, then you could have your stud wide receiver as well. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. You want to put Mark Ingram in your flex, that's really not bad at all. No, at all. You can and because the upside, you know, like when when the when the Ravens like start washing people out and they're and they're ahead, you already know what you're about to get. So right, right, um, exactly. But, so yeah, so we have to kind of sift through this. So the the Cam Akers thing, you know, with Malcolm Brown and 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 I would just advise anybody. My opinion off the rip when it comes to redraft, it's it's gonna be a little bit hands off, at least like too high for Cam Akers. Right. No, you see, with for me with Cam Akers, like where is he going right now? He's going the sixth round. So for me, like. I want to really see how this plays out, right? We're, we're in the middle of August now. Um, and I want to see if Cam Akers can kind of come in and command that role, just because I, I personally see him as 
a guy who can do it all, right? Like he can be a workhorse type of back. And I, I think like his path to like becoming the main guy in that backfield is a lot easier for him than Jonathan Taylor, just because he has Marlon Mack, you know what I'm saying, as the, as the incumbent. He already has Naheem Hines as like the pass catching running back. Like Cam Akers doesn't have that. He doesn't have a guy who is like the pass catching running back, right? He might have the best hands of anybody on, on, on in that backfield. Um, and then who is the best in between the tackles guy? It's, it might be him also, right? Is it Malcolm Brown? Like, like I don't think Malcolm Brown can do anything that he can't do. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and then we have to remember too. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. There's just yeah. a little bit of context too. Like when Todd Gurley was ripping it up, and and you know Malcolm Brown came in and he was doing fine. You have to remember that line was a lot better than it is right now. You know, like it's it's right. not as good. Like you know, so that's the other thing. Like if you don't have a guy that can meet people missing the hole, or you don't have a guy that can shimmy out. Uh, you're not really going to get too much in his right. running game. And, and Cam Akers has experience with terrible offensive lines. Like, he – in college, like, he he dealt with maybe the worst offensive line in all of college football, and he still averaged five yards a carry. Um, so, he, he killed it. Um, and then you have Daryl Henderson, like, to, who to me, you know, he, he couldn't get a grasp of the system last year. And if anything, he seems like a great compliment. You know what I mean? So, like, the way I see this backfield, you know, magically kind of forming is – you know, Akers as the 1A, you know, Mal- uh, maybe Henderson as the 1B, and then maybe Malcolm Brown kind of, you know, spelling in he- here and there. But like like you said, it might take a little bit of uh, – might take a little while. So in order for me to draft Cam Akers, like, in the fifth round or sixth – wherever he, where, where's he going again? Sixth round? Like, I have to get some positive reports. I have to depend on that. Right. Because am I really going to pass up on, you know what I'm saying, like – Actually, there's not that many people. Actually, there's some, some wide receivers going up there. I'm just looking at running backs. But there are a bunch of wide receivers that I'm fine taking in the sixth round. Like, yeah. Marquise Brown is sitting over there. You know what I'm saying? Cortland Sutton's there. If Terry McLaurin falls a little bit. If um, Terry McLaurin's there in your sixth, what the fuck? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Terry McLaurin's taking, being taken in the middle of the fifth round. Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, you know, you don't have to reach on that. Cam Akers is a guy that I liked having maybe as my RB3. You know what I'm saying? But that's only assuming that I think, like, what's going to happen happens. Right. You know, and if, if I don't get confirmation of that or any, like, inkling towards that potentially happening, then I might pass. Like, it just – it is what it is. Now, in some leagues, though, you kind of have to go for the upside. Like you said, you're in 25 leagues, right? So you can't you can't go risk-averse, you, you know what I'm saying, in all of your leagues, right? You have I to be risky. You have to shoot for it. That's the other thing, like I was going to say, like, and I think you're like alluding to it, but like I, I use those other leagues as ways to see how I can build teams and how they come out, you know? Exactly. Like, like that's exactly. It's like good mock drafts, but like you get to deal with the consequences. You have to shoot for it sometimes, right? right. Like, you know, in a lot, yo, in a lot of industry drafts, Jonathan Taylor is going like a third round, right? Because the, the, in those industry drafts, you have to stand out somehow, right? And you have to be contrarian a little bit at times right. because – you have to get that guy that nobody was taking so that when you have him on your team combined with your other studs, now you're an unstoppable team. And, like, that's literally how you have to play those leagues sometimes. You just have to go for it. Same thing with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Everyone's like, oh, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people are like, oh, man, you're taking me in the first round? It's like, yeah, like, because you got to go for it sometimes. Now I am. Now I am. Yeah, now we are, right? But it's just like some people say, like, you know what? You never know because – you know, what if DeAndre Washington is involved and this and that? And it's just I like, he is, he is going to be involved, but at the same time, and he's a sneaky, sneaky handcuff. Yes. Sneaky, sneaky handcuff, man. Like, 
like if if Clyde Lair has to go down, whatever the case may be, like he's a little bit versatile and he's probably the best back in the backfield. Besides, I think what people forget is you, you remember last year, um, Jacobs went down, DeAndre Washington was fine, uh, you know, week yeah. 15, week championship, he was fine, he was like, he was, he was you know, so and they in, have in the Chiefs offense, like. He's going to be just fine. <laughs> we, want any, we want anybody that's going to be able to get goal line looks or be in that offense. Like, yeah. anybody. As long as they're not Sammy fucking Watkins. God, I didn't realize – I didn't realize today – I didn't realize until today that I that I dislike Sammy Watkins for what he did to me last year. Like, that's hilarious, man. That's one so game. Bad. One game. All right. Um, I got I to get in the league with you so I can draft him and start him again. For sure. For sure. Gonna no. keep, I'm just going to keep him on my bench until I have to play. No, I swear <laughs> to God, we will not be friends anymore. I swear to God. I swear to God. <laughs> Now, it wouldn't be news and notes, and it wouldn't be a full show of me being back without giving you some Curtis Samuel hype. Okay. So, Curtis Samuel met with, uh, with the Panthers, uh, you know, media today. He spoke. Panthers wide receiver Curtis Samuel wouldn't give away any secrets on how he will be used in Joe Brady's offense. Remember, though, he played some running back at Ohio State, and Samuel's goal is to simply be dynamic i'll take any sort of good vibes anybody like i'm back in again like i was like the year before godwin popped i had godwin on a bunch of my teams at the end of the bench waiting for it to happen and it just it didn't that's not the same thing as this because at least curtis samuel's involved he's definitely the number two but if they're talking about getting him the ball like the way they did in ohio state that's all he really needs man i think honestly and then if, uh, you know, Robbie can take the top off the defense and they can just let they, – if they can get Curtis Samuel the ball in space, um, I am – I'm loving his price. He's he's falling in drafts. Like, people are scared because they were on, on the wagon last year. I think that because people are burned by him last year, you're going to get him super late and you're going to be super surprised at what you get this year. I'm yeah, doubling down. He's a perfect he's – a, he's a – he's like a post-hype post post guy, right? Like, and everything – when things like, like – the reason why people are post-hype isn't because, like, oh, simply, like, oh, he had hype last year, he didn't get it done, and now this year he's going to. No, it's because situations have changed. Joe Brady came in. It's going to be more of a pass-heavy offense. We already know that their quarterback situation was absolute shit last year. The missed opportunities were ridiculous. He was top of the, near the top of the league in the air yards. Yo, Ian Hartsitz, um, yep. one of my favorite follows on, on, um, on Twitter. Yep. Um, he put together like a four-minute all-22 montage of Curtis Samuel being wide open and the ball just not being anywhere near him. Like, and that's what I'm holding on to. It's the same thing with Deontay Johnson. When I watch Deontay Johnson and I watch Curtis Samuel, I watch guys who can get the fuck open. Yep. It's not their fault they didn't catch the ball because the ball was fucking thrown however it was. But. And you know what? The thing with Curtis Samuel was the funniest thing. Like, whenever he's open along the seam, the ball would always sail out of bounds for whatever reason. Like, it wasn't an overthrow. And sometimes it would be an overthrow. But, like, it wasn't always an overthrow. It would be, like, sailing right out of bounds. Like, the accuracy is just unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. Do you remember, but do you remember um, last year um, when Kyle Allen was the future? <laughs> oh, dude. How quickly does that change, man? You I love looking back. It's over. I love looking back on my own predictions, on what everybody thought. Because remember, oh, cut Cam. He won five in a row. He ain't turned the ball over yet. Yep. You goofy as hell. He's in Washington right now, man. The fuck? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited for this Cam Newton. Honestly, like, 
I, I, this is random, but like, I don't know. Like, I'm watching him and I'm rooting for the guy, man. Cause like, I love him. everybody's I like, you know, the, he's, he's using the, 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 this stuff as fuel. Like, and it's going to be interesting. Yo, look, football's better when Cam is balling out. I'm yeah. sorry. It just, it just is. It's just, I don't, I don't understand the hate towards Cam. Like, I don't, like, I get, you know, whatever. Oh, I do. I know, I know. I get you're upset about the way he handles himself with the Super Bowl. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not upset about that. Oh, well, I, I, I'm just saying that you, when you say that you don't understand the hate, oh, I understand the hate. I know, I know, I know exactly why. I don't know if you want to get on and get talk about this. Nah, no, sure. I, I, no, but, I get it. I, I get it. But I'm just talking about like, like people, like I see people saying that they want to see him fail, and that's the part I guess is what I don't get. Like when I see people saying that, I'm like, what the hell do you want to see Cam like fall flat on his face for? Who, like, who show like, both more, Cam Newton or Tom Brady? Oh, uh, wait, what? Say again? Who showboats more, Cam Newton or Tom Brady? Brady, low-key. Exactly. But everyone everyone wants to hate on Cam because he's no, the one who showboats all the time. Listen, that's that's my thing. And also, like, all right, you may not like Floyd Mayweather, but if he's going to pop shit and beat everybody that he faces, beat him, beat him, and then shut him up. Exactly. That's it. Anyway. But, yes, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm rooting for Cam, for sure. Like, I, I – uh. I, I I always want to see him play well. I feel like right. the the game is better when he's playing well. And if he can rejuvenate the Patriots, that shit would be a story. Because Belichick, Belichick is this is Belichick's main goal for the rest of his life is to win a championship without Tom Brady and without it doesn't matter what quarterback it is. Right, it's, it's true. To win one without Tom Brady and he can show everybody. Well, it's probably going to be uh, what's his, what's his face from Clemson. Dude, dude who just that's bullshit. All of a sudden, guys are opting out. Like Patrick Chung, I'm out. High tire, I'm out. Uh, it, you know, like like I'm waiting for Stephon Gilmore to be like, I'm out, bro. Like you know, like, right, like right. it's crazy, man. Like I don't understand like why everyone's opting out. If Brady was playing, no one would be opting out. And the thing is, is like um, you you probably get better because you get a year off. You come back and you're like super fresh and like they just punch everybody <laughs> back and the dynasty's back on. Like, it's, <laughs> like I'm, I'm nervous about that. Like I'm scared to death. Like that's why this 49ers window that shit's gonna slam shut pretty quickly. I'm, I'm I'm a Jets fan and like you know when this happens, this is not something good, man. I want them to have a losing season and just like keep losing. But right. unfortunately, I feel like everyone's opting out. Everyone's getting fresh for 2021. And now they're gonna draft like a good quarterback, and then it's over. And now, now it's fucking Tom Brady all over again for fucking another thirty years. Fucking thirteen years, right? Exactly. Imagine how the Bills feel. Hey, we're good again. <laughs> no, nah. it sucks. And you know what sucks about the Bills? Like they're doing everything they can for Josh Allen. Mm. Like they're putting everything together—an offensive line, wide receivers who can separate and get open. The best route runners here is John Brown and Stephen Diggs. Cole Beasley, you know what I'm saying? He got two good running backs in the Boston backfield. Now. But then, like, Josh Allen, like, is he going to be able to, like, you know, get it done with these guys? And I don't know. I can't believe this dude only threw for 3,000 yards last year. playing Who's that? Game. Josh Allen. Yeah, but he ran for a shit ton. That's why. No, but how, how are you a quarterback in this league and play all 16 games and only throw 3,000 yards? Hey, I mean, it worked for them. It's clear that Sean McDermott – like, here's the thing, is that there's a lot of people out there – like, Josh Allen's great for fantasy, but there's a lot of people out there that low-key are like, yo, at any moment, the bottom could fall out of this shit really quickly. It's tr- no, but it's true, though, man. Like, 3,000 yards, man, like, that's crazy to me. Like, 3,000 yards – like, three touchdowns is fine, but, like, oh, my God. that's and, look, and, and, like, to give you an example, like, the 49ers are on a run-heavy team. Jimmy almost threw for four bands. Exactly. No, 100%. That's my point. You know what I'm saying? If you're a run-heavy offense, the quarterback throws for more than 3,000 yards. 
Well, that's another thing, too, is as much as we love Josh, John Brown from last year, I mean, he's like one of my fucking favorite players in the world, but right. um, we could run Josh Allen missing him a lot. Like, 100%. Open, you know, so, and he returned good value last year. He did, man. So Stefan Diggs might be, might be able to do something, too. But, like, you look at – so Josh Allen was 23rd in the NFL in passing yards in 2019. 23rd. Yeah. Name names right above him. And, and nobody around him played 16 games. Lamar Jackson threw for 3,100 yards, right? Yeah, that's oh, yeah, we know why, right? Yeah. Daniel Jones threw for 3,000 in 13 games. How many Sam, games did Daniel Sam Jones Sam Darnold threw 3,000 in 13 games. Drew Brees, 3,011 games. Ryan Tannehill, 2,712 games. You know, Kyle Allen threw more than Josh Allen. Wow. Gardner Minshew, Andy Dalton. Wow. Yeah, dude. Wow. It's crazy. Andy Dalton <laughs> didn't have his job the whole year. Exactly. It's crazy. Insane. Exactly. So, do you want yeah, to talk? Anyway, like, even, even Cam couldn't hit Curtis Samuel like that. that no, was- no. That, I mean, and, but that's what I was banking on last year. It's like everything that I was thinking about. Like, once Cam went down, I was like, ah, fuck. You know, like, I was just like, well, there goes that. And everybody, you know, oh, who's the guy? I've been getting Curtis Samuel everywhere. I'm telling everybody. And then, like, and then, yep. oh, okay, done for the year. And it's like, cool, dope. <laughs> so, you want to talk running backs? Do you want to talk? Sure. About- so I, I actually started. So this is the first year mm-hmm. where I am projecting out all the running backs, all the wide receivers. Great. And like I, you know, what it does for me, it allows me to like kind of separate guys, you know, into tiers and stuff like that. And actually see, you know, based on opportunity, you know, what, what is their real opportunity like? Right. And Scott Barrett, you know, he used to work for Pro Football Focus. And now he moved to fantasypoints.com, like him, John Hansen, a bunch of those, you know, Grant Barfield, they have their own thing now, which is awesome. Like, good, good for those guys. Um, and, like, basically what he came up with is this thing called weighted opportunity. And what ba- that, that, that basically does is um, it, it kind of – it goes through the past, like, 10, 15 years, and, it's, and it, it determined that when running backs get targeted, that's just simply worth more than a, than a single carry in terms of fantasy points. Right. So they determined that overall a a target is worth almost three times as much as one single carry. So it's like when you look at a running back like Derrick Henry, who's getting 320 rushes per year, but he's getting only like 20 targets for the whole year. You know what I'm saying? Then you understand that like it, it might not be as good as Alvin Kamara, for example, in PPR leagues. And, you know, uh, or like Kenyon Drake or my guy, Miles Sanders this year. I'm, you know, I'm so in on Miles Sanders this year. Yeah. I I thought it was A.J. Dillon. Oh, A.J. Dillon's definitely my guy, but he's going, he's going like the 12th round. How many, do you you like take a drink every time I say the words A.J. Dillon? (laughs) Yo, every time, well, listen, when, because you know what it is about it, um, Faraz? Like, I'm going to let you get into, uh, I'm going to let you get into Miles Sanders because I want to hear your case for it because you're not the only one, right? But. Um, when you talk badly about a guy that I, I, I love the player that Aaron Jones, I've been beating the Aaron Jones drum forever. Oh, yeah. Right. Because I'm like, I, I'm like Jamal Williams. Isn't that good of a football player? Like right. it's just, it's just baffling to me how you take the better player off the field. But now that I'm a little bit wiser and a little bit older and you see things that are working, especially when, when I'm talking about the team that I like, the wave of the future is, is using multiple backs. Right. Um, it and, is. And LaFleur is, is, is off of an offshoot of, of Shanahan, and Shanahan never, like, really ran one guy. Like, so it's like – so that's the thing. Like, I understand it now. 
Um, but I loved Aaron Jones, and I would be baffled at how, like, Jamal Williams would be on the field. He's a better pass blocker. <laughs> Listen, yeah. if Aaron Jones was getting the opportunity, I would love Aaron. He's a, he's a, he's a great player, man. Like, and he would kill it for fantasy. Like, when Jamal Williams got hurt, Aaron Jones was absolutely killing it, bro. No, he was, but he can't do the 19 touchdowns again. That's never going to happen. No, and he in, – in like, for if you give him a workhorse role, the chance that he gets hurt is probably higher than, than – You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, I don't know if he, he can handle – because, you know, before last year, he was getting hurt left and right. Yeah. You know, so – but, yeah, I mean – so, yeah, back to Miles Sanders. Like, I, I think – Go for it. He, he's, in, he's, in, he's in a situation where the, the Eagles didn't add anybody to that backfield. Boston Scott was that, was that guy. Um, if you look at the snap percentages that Miles Sanders played after Jordan Howell got hurt, like it was in the 80s, right? Yeah. Which is like elite territory. There's only a handful of backs. Maybe like you would say, um, who, who was playing 80% of snaps or more? Christian McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke. Saquon. Not Kamara. Not Kamara. Kamara was playing like 70-ish. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry was not. He was playing oh, about oh, 65 then it's probably – that's the end of the list. It's not Dalvin. Oh, Leonard Fournette was. Fournette. Fournette was, but not anymore. He's not going to do that this year. Chris no. Thompson's there. Jake Chris Thompson's there, and he loves Gruden. Exactly. Exactly. So, that's it. So, and and so, he has that upside. Now, they didn't add any backs to that backfield. We, Doug Peterson, we, we, we assume that he loves workhorse – he loves the opposite of workhorse backs. He loves timeshares and all that kind of stuff. But they didn't add anybody, right? And then when you look at the weapons that they have, Alshon Jeffrey, he's on the pup. You know what I'm saying? Like Deshaun Jackson, he always gets hurt. Yeah, um, he's 33. What's his face? Oh, oh, oh uh, opted out. Marquise Goodwin opted out. Um, and Rager. It's a, they're the same thing. It's the same thing now this year, right, where you have Boston Scott. Uh, by the way, Boston Scott, when he was doing his damage, um, they were on the field at the same time, yep. right? Even though Miles Sanders was playing 80% of the snaps, Boston Scott was on the field like 40 to 50% of snaps because – he was like in the slot. They were playing two two running back sets and that sort of thing. But Miles Sanders was still getting his opportunity, and when he did, he killed it. Um, he got balls beautiful, from all over the field. Boston's got the beautiful zero RB target at the end of the draft. Um, like he's he's basically Darren Sproles all over again. And right, like, right, exactly. And that's that's who his comp was. And I, I know he played for the Saints too. Yeah, he um, did. So and then I think they cut him or whatever the case may yeah. be. I think he got hurt or something. He got like hyped that. over there. That's how I knew yeah. about. Him. Like, he got hype over there, and I always kept my eye on him. And I kept my eye on him because they didn't have that compliment back yet, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, all right, well, maybe Boston Scott would be that guy. And I forgot who he was going to be a compliment to. Oh, you know what it was? When Alvin Kamara uh, – I think Alvin Kamara was supposed to be a guy uh, – uh, who, who, was, who was suspended or got hurt? Was it Mark Ingram? Was Ingram. He... Remember, Ingram had PED, so he was out the front. Right. Six four. games or something like that, four games. Right, right. So I, I was like, okay, who's going to be Kamara compliment? It turned out to be nobody. It turned out to be just it turned out to be, if you drafted Kamara, good God. Yeah, you killed it those first few weeks. But, um, but yeah, it's one of those situations where uh, he can play seventy five percent of snaps, and he can get fifteen carries on the ground. He can get like five to six catches a game. And the thing with Sanders, he's catching balls all over the field. He's beating right. he's beating safeties. Right. He's beating linebackers right. up the seam. And he's catching balls all over the field. And he – I think he was third in the NFL in yards per reception out of all running backs. Um, so, he's going to get opportunity. And, that, and that's the key. Right? He has a decent offensive line, and he's going to be good. So, I did the projections, right? And I'm looking at that weighted opportunity that I talked about when you combine the carries 
and the receptions. And I'm looking at about 250 rush attempts for him um, and 60, 80 targets wow. this year, 65 receptions. Wow. That, that, that's what that's what it comes well, that's what I projected him at. You're talking Dalvin Cook land now. Yeah, and Dalvin Cook, I projected Dalvin Cook um to have just six more catches than him this wow. year. Um so when you look at w- the weighted opportunity, you know what I'm saying? I have McCaffrey first, Barkley second, um, followed by Alvin Kamara, followed by Zeke Elliott, followed by Dalvin Cook and then Miles Sanders. So he's like. So that's what I was going to ask you is he's where like my number, he's like my, my number six back now. So, so he's six. So he's so where's six the, back? Where's the tier break between one and two for you? So tier break. So I think uh, Saquon and 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 McCaffrey are in the same tier for me. Top two. Their their mm-hmm. top two is in one tier. Right? And then I think uh, Dalvin Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara are in the next tier. Uh-huh. Uh, well, actually, and, and if you're in a PPR league, dude, honestly, like, Alvin Kamara over Zeke, I think this year. I think Kamara should be in a Z, over Zeke. Yeah. Um, um, but but well, yo, he's going to a vegan diet, though, bro. I might have to. But that's I, fine. Look, and I know people are freaking out about that. But <laughs> when he told the story about how his knee um, got tore up and he played through that shit, like, right. and he still was able to get his normal 81 catches, right. I got to suspect that that he's gonna bounce back this year, like, right. uh, 100%, dude. Yeah, for sure. So him, uh, then Zeke. Zeke and then and then um and then Dalvin Cook and then after Dalvin Cook like a tier down I'm 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 going Miles Sanders after that. Okay. So six. Yeah. And then so okay. then after after him is it like because you know like the ECR right now has um has the tier one. It's it's four guys. It's McCaffrey, it's Barkley, it's Kamara, it's Elliott. That mm-hmm. you know what, but you can't like fault that. Like that's gonna be pretty much how everybody has Yeah, it. I think that is the standard top four. Correct. Yeah. Right. Like the first four picks in your draft is in some order is going to be this. If yes. somebody, you know, like, I would agree with that. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, it's just after that, it's like, where do you start considering wide receivers over running backs? You know, and I just, I just don't know at this point, like this year, I'm not going to lie. I hope none of my league mates are listening, but in redraft leagues, I'm going to try to load up on running backs early because there's too many good wide receivers later on. Like yeah. if I can get Terry McLaurin in the sixth, Right. And, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm all over that on top of, of getting – In the sixth, yeah. 100%. Um, I'll take him in the fifth, too. It's fine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then if, if I use my first two picks, especially if I'm in an advantageous spot, like, if I'm able to get somebody like a fucking, you know, Dalvin Cook and a fucking, let's just say Eckler. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're sitting pretty – and it's very possible because Eckler has been going around the middle of the second round. Right, that's what I mean. Um, so in a full PPR league, like, like, I'm happy. Yeah, and people are still like people are still scared about the Dalvin Cook injury stuff. Like I get it, it's there, but like I again with him, I don't know why it is. I do it with him. I always lock in Madison, but then I start playing the game like during the season of dropping him. I know, season, I know. He picks him up and then like getting him back because I get scared the day before the game. Like, <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm the same way, man. I'm yeah, the same like, way. I ended up dropping those dudes, and that's it. So, so yeah, it look it, for me it's looking like you know uh, Sanders, Edwards, Hilaire, and then Kenyon Drake are kind of in a similar okay. tier. Um, and, and what's that? Not Joe Mixon. <sighs> See, man, the thing with Joe Mixon is mm-hmm. like it's a similar thing we talked about with Josh Jacobs. Right. The thing with Josh Jacobs, we know he's going to get his 300 carries. Right. Right. And I don't think that's the case for, for Joe Mixon. Right. Yeah. I think he's he, like, he's more slated around like 270, 265, 270, Probably. something like that. Um, and then on top of that, he has his version of Jalen Richard in Gio, Gio Bernard. Right, he's not going anywhere. They love him. 
And that's the thing. Like, it's it's like, are we really going to take Joe, Joe Mixon off the field here, guys? Like, he is a three-down bell cow. You know, he's super capable in that. So, sure. it sucks. It's, it sucks that that's, that's what his role is going to be. Towards the end of the season, they were giving him, like, 25 carries a game. They had nobody. They had was, nobody. And remember, it was, it was whoever the hell it was playing, Ryan Finley. Exactly, exactly. So now they have Joe Burrow, they have AJ Greenback. That's what I'm Tyler saying. And the, the offense, I expect that offense to take a step up. Jonah Williams is back. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they, they beefed up the line a little bit, you know, like, and now you're talking about, like, AJ Green looks good. I don't want to get too crazy over that, but he looks right. good. In fact, I'm going to take my shot. If, if last right. year I held AJ Green the whole year waiting for this magical comeback, I'm gonna try to like. <laughs> I'm definitely going back for at least if he's gonna play right. one game. It's already better than last year. Yep, yep. And they drafted T. Higgins too. That, who, so who that's what I was gonna say. So, so I mean, you know, John Ross had to go home, you know, because of um, what was happening with his family, and you right. know, like you know, I hope all the best or whatever. But um, it's AJ, it's T. Higgins, it's Tyler Boyd that people are like are sleeping on as well too. And that's where the targets it gets a little like hazy for me of where it's gonna be because. Right. Tyler, but, but, uh, Tyler Boyd's ADP is kind of. Yes. And I've been trying to get him everywhere. Like see, if you Tyler, guys want. Tyler, Tyler Boyd's going in the eighth round. See, well, and so, you, let, let me ask you this: So he's going. So I mean, this is a tough. Like the seventh, to eighth round for a season. That's what I'm saying. Ooh. There's so much there. There's so like, much. There's so Michael Gallup is going at seven oh seven. Right, Will Fuller's going at seven oh nine. No, Tyler Boyd is at eight oh one. Deontay Johnson is at eight oh three. I love all those guys this year. And let me look in the camera. And anybody who knows me and has ever spoke, like I never wanted Will Fuller on my team. Right. Continuity. I just talked about it. Um, what he does when he's on the field is incredible as far as points per game. If he can even put together 12 games that already, like, puts you in the playoffs based off of those boom mm-hmm. weeks. Yep, yep. Um, and, again, continuity. Who knows him? Cooks is going to have to come in and learn Watson. Randall Cobb is going to have to come in and learn Watson. But whenever Will Fuller and Watson are on the field, it's boom potential. And I think this year is the year that I'm going to try to bank on that just yeah. because continuity again like I, those are the tiebreakers i never draft will fuller i never tell anybody because you know he's not going to make the whole year but this year i'm in deontay johnson i'm in on him too you just mm-hmm. said michael gallup please explain to me the michael gallup hate like i i don't understand it like i understand that you you know all right cd's there um you know we, we have blake jarwin who's going to absorb some of these targets Michael Gallup doesn't need very many targets to return value for you, like, at all. And, and well, especially – They already have, like, the second most vacated targets between – That's what I mean. Yeah. Between uh, Randall Cobb leaving and between um, – Jason Witten leaving, too, right? So, he, they're, he's going to be fine, man. Like, he out-targeted, like, Amari Cooper in, in a bunch of games. Even right. – Overall, he out-targeted him. And so, he, he can outproduce produce Amari Cooper. I'm not going to lie. Like, he's, right. he's that good That's- of a player. Good. Thank you for saying it first, because I don't want to, like, jump off the <laughs> So you said it first, but I'm going to just go with you. And, and right. I, I think I was going to say that, like, sometimes when I watch Amari play, like, he's a beautiful, graceful um, route runner. Um, yeah. I, watch him, I watch him put moves on, on amazing cornerbacks, and I'm just blown away. Sometimes I feel like he lacks that dog. Like, mm. like when, like, he gets, like, you know, when he gets too much, like, pressure and stuff like that, he can get wiped from games. It's true, man. Like, like Marcus Lattimore – um, like for some reason plays down to his competition. So right. it'll be 
somebody who's like like not inferior to him, but somebody that he should lock up that'll probably like get him for a big play or something like that, and you'll be like, What? But when right. he gets to the stage and he sees Amari Cooper or if he sees Julio, like all of a sudden he elevates his game. Right. He wiped Cooper from that game. Michael Gallup, I feel like won't be wiped by anybody. Now let's say that those guys switch. Like let's say Lattimore was I like I feel like Michael Gallup wouldn't get wiped away like he that. Like he wouldn't that player. He reminds me of John Brown. Right. right, like John Brown, he got shadow coverage by a bunch of dudes last year, and he was fine. He baked so, Stephon Gilmore. He did again. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <clears throat> cave for my players, and he's always been one of my guys. But he baked. I got it on film. Yeah, Every and day. and John Josh Allen missed a couple of those throws too, yeah. where where he 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 got open, he got separation, where he was ready for the ball, and the ball just kind of sealed on him. So we we 15 last year, he went up against the uh, the Pittsburgh um, secondary. Yep. That's after Minka. Like, mm-hmm. and he still balled. Like, it's right. like those are guys that know how to get open. And that's how I feel Michael Gallup is. And the con- the contested catch thing. I feel like he's like, he's going to go run for it more. Like, like Amari can do the toe tap thing. And I get it, you know, like why people would draft him. It's just that, again, I've seen him be wiped from games. It's not just, it's not just Lattimore. Like, mm-hmm. Trey White wiped him too, like, kind of. Yeah. And, in Thanksgiving, if, if, if I feel like if Gallup didn't tear his meniscus, he would have had a much bigger year. For sure, and he had a huge year. Like second year, and he's he's underrated year. Like no one's talking about it. But I, I, his second, his, his in two games, he had almost three hundred receiving yards. The first two games, you know what I'm saying? And and yes, Omari Cooper didn't play in the preseason, but still, like he he killed it. And then he tore his meniscus in the next game. So, you know, it's 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 interesting for me. I look at the talent. I look at the, the creativity of that offense. I look at the fact that he's not going to be seeing those number one corners. For some reason, those corners still want to go up against Amari, and that's fine with me. It's um, because I'd rather, they, I'd rather take out there. It's because people rate him that way. So I'm sure that those right. corners have, like, a chip on their shoulder and they want to go over there and, like – Yeah, but it's interesting because Amari Cooper plays the flank and, and, and Gallup plays the X. Um, That's so, what I mean. He's more versatile. I feel like he can do more. Like, like I'm not trying to like say like. All right, so route running, I'm gonna give the the benefit of the doubt to to Amari. Like that that that's easy. Listen, man, if Amari was in the slot, he would he, he kill. kill whoever would come in there. Like he would yeah. kill whoever would come in there. That's not even fair. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be fair. But I feel like that's kind of where he should be playing more. To be honest with you, like that'll be interesting. Like if he plays more in the slot and Lamb goes You're outside. Him as a as a uh, outside uh, guy. Oh, so we, so it, you know we haven't heard anything about it though. But I, I mean I would assume that CD Lamb is going to play the slot, um, but we we don't know. We my have no goodness. idea. Look, real football. Oh my goodness! Like I'm I'm floored at how he like fell to them. I know, man. They're so lucky, man. They're so lucky. I was so surprised. I was like, dude, Michael Gallup and Mario Cooper, CD Lamb. Shit. What? What the hell's happening? <laughs> like, even by accident, this team is improving. That's <laughs> so true, man. And they just signed, what's his name? Uh, oh, oh my God. Everson Griffin. Yep. Um, they, they signed Gerald McCoy. You yep. forgot Tanks there. Alden Smith's there. Like, if Alden Smith gives them anything, like, they, you know, like, they're, uh, yeah, I hate Dallas. But yeah, man, like, right. sorry, Dallas fans. I'm going to point out. <laughs> exactly. um, but so let so let's at least because we we divvied off to to wide receiver. This is what happens. <laughs> but this group, but this group, right? Yeah, we yeah, said yeah. we said Gallup, Boyd, um, Deontay Johnson, and who was the fourth that's all in this group? Um, Fuller. Fuller, rank them for me, and I'll. I'm gonna go. Rank. Well, uh, Gallup is number one for me. Okay. Um, Wolf Fuller's number two. Deontay Johnson is number three, and Tyler Boyd's number four. Now, if you're looking for like stability. I would I would say that Tyler Boyd uh, might be number one. 
or number two to Gallup. Yes. And then Will Fuller's last in that category, and Deontay Johnson's third. But I think Deontay Johnson and uh, I think Tyler Boyd has the least upside out of all of them, right? If you're going okay. for the if you're going for like, and this is why rankings are so difficult, right? Like you, 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 it depends what you want. If you're going for the upside and you're trying to win your league with that pick, you go, Will Fuller. Um, I think Michael Gallup is like a mix of both. He'll give you these boom weeks. And then Deontay Johnson has upside too with, with big Ben back. Um, So I was happy to see Ben throw by the way. So that that was, that was was good to see. So he's kind of back and from his, from his surgery and all that. Um, But Deontay Johnson has a ton of, ton of upside as well. Um, so yeah, like that that's kind of how I see it. It depends what you need, how your draft was up until that point. Um, you know, and that that's kind of kind of how how I see it. So, here's here's my case for Tyler Boyd. Yeah. Like we got to disagree, right? Like I didn't want to disagree with the the first part because I yep. think you have it, right? But if you're talking about stability, here's here's why I think that people are sleeping on Tyler Boyd and mm-hmm. it doesn't the whole argument that everybody used to make about Tyler Boyd is something that I used to subscribe to and I think is, is really, really true. Um, you know, yes, when he's alone, he sees more targets. But when A.J. Green's on the field and you have other guys, he's going to see highly efficient targets. Yeah. So if that target number drops from 12 to 6 or 8, if he can convert out of the 8, 6 or 7 of those in that offense, um, you know, with that bad defense and them being behind mm-hmm. – um, Tyler Boyd is 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 gonna return some series. So that's for me. It's not big upside, but it it, it keeps again. He's a safe one. Like if like again, yeah, like you, he, he provides the stability. Right, you nailed it. Like if I want to play him, you know, in a flex week, or if I if we're only starting two receivers and I have him as my third receiver, I'm with that all day. It all depends on how your draft flow goes. Let's exactly like like as an example, right? You drafted only two wide receivers. Right, and you reach the eighth round or the or the seventh, the end of the seventh round, and like you're like, oh shit, I need a third wide receiver because I start three wide receivers, right? And you're probably taking Tyler Boyd at this spot because you and you're in a PPR league. I'm assuming like you want that stability there, and I think he's the guy who's probably going to be targeted uh, at a more consistent rate out of all these guys. I think him and Michael Gallup might be the two guys who get targeted at the most consistent rate. For sure. um, so, so that's kind of how I look at it. Now, if I drafted my three wide receivers already, I'm looking for my flex. You know, I'm looking at Will Fuller here, you know, yeah. most likely, you know, or Michael Gallup. Um, just I'll play him in the flex almost every week. You know, like, you know you're not going to get all those boom weeks and you kind of just have to be it's, – it's, you know, he's like Tyreek Hill. Like, we take Tyreek Hill because those boom weeks win you the week. Yes. But we know that there's valleys and peaks when it comes with him. It's the same thing with Will Fuller. Like, if you're playing, you're playing purely hoping that he goes off for 45 fucking points. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, man, like, like so, so let me ask you a question. So, yeah. I, I have Miles Sanders ranked super high, you know, according to – compared to the consensus. Like, normally he's going, like, in the, in the beginning of the second round-ish, right? Mm-hmm. So, are you grabbing – like, if you're at the turn – are you trying to grab, assuming that most of those guys are off the board that we mentioned, Clyde Edwards, Edwards Hilaire, probably off the board, right, at the yeah, end of the first round. If I'm at 12, yeah. If you're at, like, the 11th or 12th pick, who are the two guys that you've been kind of aiming for? Um, I, I always try to take best running back off the board. Like, right. Mixon's the one that I want the least, um, probably. But, like, at that point, like, at the end – it's probably got to be now you you're like talking me into it honestly with uh, with the Miles Sanders thing he's probably not going to be there but it's it's probably Drake 
um, or Eckler, depending if one of them are there. Like, it's just, the thing is, is it's what's crazy about Drake is, is I've been getting him a lot just because I like it, but he has a lot of risk baked into his, his ADP even right. still. Like, here's the thing. Like, um, if he slips up even a little bit, Chase Edmonds has shown he can, like, run the show, right. you know? I think a lot of Kenyon Drake as a player, and I'm banking on that, and I'm banking on what I saw last year, and I'm banking off a team, you know, again, continuity. He gets another year in the system. I'm banking on all that. But there is no guarantee that Kenyon Drake can't play himself right out if he starts to, you know, like, you know, lose traction, lose a fumble here and there, things like yep. that. Um, but if he's in there, I expect a lot out of that offense. So, like, with that one, I've been trying to just, like, mitigate the risk, but I've been usually just taking him there for sure. And then if I come back around and, like, Chris Godwin's there, I'm going with him, like, right away. Because there's something about Chris Godwin that keeps me safe um, with all that upside. He's in the slot. I know for a fact that he's going to get the ball. You know, like, the guy that I worry about between him and Evans is Evans, and the only reason is this. I know everybody's going to say, yes, Tom Brady has – um, Tom Brady's an upgrade and yes he's an upgrade over Jameis Winston but the one thing that for fantasy purposes Jameis Winston did was fucking toss that rock as far as he fucking could I'm not certain that Tom That's Brady true. can do both you know like the true. interceptions don't kill you with Jameis or whatever if he's throwing it to your guy like you just you just want him to throw it to your guy deep um, yeah, like, the fact that he threw so many interceptions were, was good for his wide receivers because he would have to like he had no choice but in the fourth quarter to like sling it on every play he had to throw the ball 20 times in the fourth quarter. So that helps your guys out. <laughs> so now you're talking about Tom Brady, who's not going to make that crazy decision this no. whole time. And even if he wants to chuck it deep, it's probably not going to have as much on it as Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston probably had the most attempts last year. Tom Brady's probably going to be like in the middle of the pack. most likely. That's the point too. So like the thing that keeps me safe with Godwin is, is look, Evans is going to get his games. Like there's going to be those games where Evans scores two, three touchdowns and he goes up and he throws them shits up there. Contested catches. That's fine. I think that that Godwin is the perfect at that point right there is the perfect balance of floor and upside every week um, right. that I want from 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 my wide receiver one. Like I, I want to be able to I want to be able to one and not worry. I hate to burst your bubble and I hate no, for, go for it. I hate for me to talk talk to you about this like super late at night. Well, you know, it's just gonna keep you up all night now. Uh, but the the Bucks might go to a lot of twelve personnel, you know, uh-huh. and we might not see Chris Gowan in the slot as much as we did last season. You know, that's my own, my only concern with taking him that early, right? I think Chris Godwin is one of those guys that I've been touting him for a while since he's got into the league. But there is a world where we see Gronk and O.J. Howard on the field a lot, right? And Chris Godwin, who's capable of playing on the outside, like don't get me wrong, and Evans on the field. Because yeah. if you take Gronk off the field or O.J. Howard off the field, that means that you're putting – uh, Godwin in the slot, obviously, right? 11 personality, putting Evans on the outside. And then what wide receiver are you bringing in to take Gronk or Howard off the field, right? Scotty Miller? Scotty Miller. You know what I mean? Are, are you doing that? I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, like, before, you know, it was, uh, it, it was a different type of thing, right? They didn't have that second tight end, right? They didn't have Gronk to, to – that they, they were like, all right, well, you know, we should keep our tight ends on the field. And then you had Bruce Arians come out and say, like, yeah, 12 personnel is going to be our base offense next year. So for me, and I look at how much production Godwin had out of the slot last year, it was like 60% of his production yeah. came out of the slot. And obviously that produces gaudy numbers. So I'm like, all right, if we're paying a price for Godwin that is a reflection off of his 2019 season where he played most of his snaps in the slot, got most of his production out of the slot, are we overpaying for him just a little bit? And I'm thinking like, all right, maybe, 
You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm avoiding him personally at where he's going. Because right now he's going at the 209 or even earlier sometimes at the 205 maybe. Um, so like at that spot, he because he's being drafted at the one, two, three, four, five, six wide receiver off the board. And I'm like, are we leaving any room for upside there? Like I'm not sure, I'm not sure that we are. You know, that that's my only concern with, with Godwin. Even though I know he's a great player, he just hasn't played that outside role permanently, even though we know he's capable, even though we know he's a good route runner and that he wins against corners on the outside. It's just that. I wish that he could play in the slot for Tom Brady. So we know that, you know, obviously you made the Edelman comp, right? And like, you, you know, you realize that Brady loves targeting the slot because of his numerous slot guys he had over his career. And then you have Godwin who murdered in the slot last year. And then you can put that together and you're like, ah, oh, this is a perfect sample. You know what I'm saying? And then you're like, all right, cool. I'm taking Godwin every single time. You know what I mean? I um, So I heard that. And yeah, that's a concern. But I think that what I'm going to do with Godwin, it still doesn't move me off him in any way. Like, right. you're, you're definitely not shattering my world right, right. here. Like, good, like, good, like, good. I'm yeah. glad. Uh, yeah, no, because if you would have heard me, I would just turn this shit off. and just. Like, <laughs> like, if you're going to tell me that Curtis Samuel's like, not going to, like, be good or whatever. That's not, like, Curtis Samuel's not worth the 14th round pick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Every time. But but um, what, what doesn't really worry me, and I think that what I'm going to bank on is, is even if that happens, let's say that that happens, let's, you know, and, and I agree with you, actually, now that when you really think about it, I think the point that you made that kind of blew my mind is, is who is this third receiver that they would bring in? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm in, in my head, I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, unless they want to run Gronk out of there, I'm not certain that they would do that. It's just like, the only thing is, is that Bruce Arians, does he, has he run like 12 a lot? Like, is that, no. is that, or, so this is a Brady thing. Like Brady's coming in to like change things up. That's Wait, what the, I think. Why they get Gronk right did they need Gronk no they didn't need Gronk no, they of course not. No. and like right after they got Gronk they're like yeah we're, gonna, we're switching to 12 personnel right. it's like all right so, so I'm gonna bet on though with Godwin is that I know that Godwin can win on the outside and I yeah. still feel like right. he's gonna be safe because I think Brady is gonna see like look this is no slight at Mike Evans and I want you to know that Mike Evans is on the cusp of doing something in this league that nobody's ever done as long as he does it like one more year which mm-hmm. I'm certain he does even when he misses games is is all he has to do is get a thousand yards again and what is it the seventh uh straight year and that's the, that's so, the record yeah. it's Howard Randy Moss Jerry Rice never did that right you know like so I'm not slighting Mike Evans when I say this but I think that Chris Godwin is a better route runner and oh, somebody you know, and he can win in the intermediate areas that I think that right. Brady wants to live in. Now, um, where who, who's better? Who's better in, in against man? Right. It, it, it would be it's a like there's a. You want to throw the ball? If you want yeah, to throw exactly, the ball up, exactly. If you want to throw the ball up, you already know where you're going with it. Mike Evans is a contested catch guy all day, and he's going to win most of those times. Yes. But if you're trying to win on a route and you need timing, I feel like it would be Godwin. Mike Evans runs. Long, like, he looks like a gazelle when he runs. Like, he right. doesn't look, like, shifty and quick, like, when he, he moves, you know. And Godwin is, like, a little bit of both. And I think that, you know, like, there's just something about those Penn State receivers, bro. It's him, Allen Robinson. They win yeah. in different ways. Like, and I think that he can do that. You know who I really like a lot? Tyler Johnson. He, he's, he's, he's the wide receiver that the Bucks drafted late. And I'm yes. super surprised that he went that late. Um, I think he played for, like, some random school, like Minnesota or some shit. I don't even know. Okay. But um, – but, dude, that dude, like, is a guy that people are sleeping on in Dynasty, man. Like, you know, he – in rookie drafts, like, he's going super late. He's a guy that I like. If And if they end up going back to 11 personnel, right, and the Duke – I would – if I were them, 
I would keep Godwin on the outside, keep Evans on the outside, and put Tyler Johnson in the slot where he's been playing in college. And, like, that that offense is going to be dynamic as hell, dude. Like, that's what I want to see. That's yeah, yeah. where I think they can make their money for sure. I want a piece of this offense too. Like even like like getting like Brady a little bit late. Like I'm fine with that. Like and that's crazy. Yeah, because he has the weapons. He has the weapons. Like you know, when you got the weapons, the quarterback is going to be fine, right? Like we like all these Carolina Panthers. That means Teddy B is going to be fine. Teddy B is going to be good. Thank you. So that's that's my argument for almost everything, right? Like that's what I'm telling people about Joe Burrow and why I'm trying to get him late. If right. I'm telling you that I like AJ Green, if I'm telling you I like Tyler Boyd, if I'm telling you I like T Higgins. It's be, how is he? How are they going to get sustained? Someone has to be throwing the ball, and I think that Joe Burrow is going to be like one of those, like a Daniel Jones type at the end of the draft right. that we can we can do the late round quarterback thing with and be fine with him. Right, except he's talented. Right, yeah, I, I guess. Damn, really? So, look, look, hey, um, I just you know again for fantasy, like we right. literally just talked about Josh Allen, maybe the bottom falling out mm-hmm. of like for him. So, like again, that's not off the board. I don't know about Daniel Jones. I just don't know. I got to see more. I gotta yeah, see I got to see more. I got to see more, too. That's, that's the thing with him. It's similar to what jo- – actually, it's similar to Josh right. Allen, honestly. Exactly. Like, you know, when especially after his rookie year, we're like, oh, okay, he can run the ball a little bit. Oh, okay, he can throw it a little bit. Um, but I think Daniel Jones is one of those guys, like, he's he, he you know what he reminds me of a little bit? Eli Manning. <laughs> you know, the way, like, so, like, the way that he throws the ball, like, he doesn't seem like he's going to make that big play. And then all of a sudden he tosses it to Darius Slayton and they got a big touchdown. You know what I mean? Like he, he does a lot of like dinky dunk shit and like his accuracy like is 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 surprisingly good for it was surprisingly good for a rookie, so that's promising. Um, but I'm just interested to see like if he could continue it. He made like some weird mistakes last year, but he was a rookie. So right. I'm interested to see how he's gonna do. I mean, his weapons aren't amazing, but he has he has solid guys. Um and I'm interested to see if they can text, uh, like, especially um, uh, Darius Slayton, he was a little bit of a one-trick pony last year, but he was a rookie. So I'm interested yeah. to see, like, if he can take a step forward, too. The only thing that kind I got to see more. The only thing that kind of scares me about Slayton, because um, I'm all in on him on Dynasty, because it's eventually mm-hmm. going to be his job. Like, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is, you know, he did a lot of that stuff when everybody was out. Oh, 100%. Like, and that's why I'm out on him on redraft. Right. Now, I'm not drafting him. I'm drafting Sterling Shepard. I'm getting, yo, thank yep. you. Yo, again, all right. So, look, this wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't, like, agree with each other. So, like, like Sterling Shepard, right? Sterling yeah. Shepard in Dynasty, in redrafts. Like, people are drafting. Like, I've seen Golden Tate go ahead of him. I've seen I'm Slayton. sure, dude. And he's probably so undervalued in Dynasty. And it's like, I don't understand. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm getting my hands on Sterling Shepard as my, like, fifth receiver. And I'm just, like, blown away because it's like, dude, when he's on the field, we get it. It's all injury concerns, right? That's fine. But – when he's on the field, he leads them in targets. Like, right. it's not even, like... And, and his target share is consistent every single week. Right. Like, if you look at his targets, it was, like, seven, eight, 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 nine, nine, eight, 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 nine. And so it was just, like, he's the guy. When he's on the field, he's the guy. Him and Golden Tate are going to have more targets. Evan Ingram is going to have more targets. Uh, I love Ingram this year. Saquon yeah. Barkley is going to have more targets. So, like, where does Darius Slayton fit in? Is he going to be right. the fifth guy? Like, come on. Like, it's just... I'm not tar- I'm not going to draft that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not going to happen. But I agree with you. I'm in on Evan Ingram and his price. Yes, for sure. Because he's he's getting stuck on even in Dynasty 2. I'm snatching him up later on, even in tight end premium leagues. Like, really? people are just afraid. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, like the thing is, he's a guy that I'm handcuffing too. I handcuff him with Caden Smith. Hmm. You know, like, and, and then I still try to get, you know, you still get other tight ends in the, in the Dynasty startup. So, basically, I've been, like, what I've been trying to pair him with is, like, I do Evan Ingram. And then, like, later on, I'll be able to get, like, a Blake Jarwin or a Jack Doyle. 
and I'm pairing him, and then I'm getting Caden Smith. I'm kind of like closing off the entire like you know like I have someone to start every week. It looks right. like at least you know like that's what I'm looking for. Um, but Evan Ingram is is going to be a guy that you know where's his next contract going to be? Is it going to be with the Giants? Like you know, so that's that's kind of why I'm holding on to him too because people are still going to be attracted to tight ends. He just gets hurt. That's it. He's exactly. so undervalued, and, and and he's undervalued. Like if he can stay healthy. He's a beast, man. He, yeah. he he's a beast. So like I'm 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 in on him, and he's going in the seventh round. So he's he belongs in that conversation with the elite tight ends if he can stay healthy. Right, exactly. Like I'm looking up his ECR right now. Like like would you? I wouldn't rather have Christian Kirk than Sterling Shepard. Um, not right now. You know, like if something changes, mm-hmm. like like Jamison Crowder is like ranked higher. Like I'm not certain I want that. That's that Jamison Crowder is going to be a PPR hog, right? right. Like he's gonna he's just gonna take all of those targets, but. I have to feel like there's going to be targets. Like, I feel like if Adam Gates doesn't wake the fuck up this year and give Le'Veon Bell the ball more in, in creative ways, then, like, he will solidify his place. I'm sorry, in my mind, is the worst coach in football. Like, I'm sorry. Right. Um, he is the worst coach in football, though. No, he's really bad, man. Like, and I, I'm, I'm not trying to pile on or anything like that. It's just like, look. Well, it's like, fine. Trust me. I, I'm, I'm the worst Gates hater in the world, to be honest with you. Okay. I'm still not off of Le'Veon Bell, though. That, that, that has to tell you a lot. But at the same time, like, it could be better. Right. Like, you just have to find creative ways to get him the ball, you know? And then now you're talking about, like, you know, featuring Chris Herndon, like, and then, like, and, and the line's going to be better. Like, Bell, Bell's going to be fine, like, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, Denzel, well, the problem with Jameson Crowder is, is, like, now Bell's going to get more targets. If they want to feature Chris Herndon, he's going to live in the same places, kind of, that, that Jameson Crowder does, exactly. right? Exactly. Denzel Mims is there, right? Like, you know, like, there's there's a lot more there. Like, even Brashard Perryman. You didn't just sign Brashard Perryman and not give him targets either. 100%. He, he just replaced Robbie Anderson. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, the Jameson Crowder thing of, like, you thinking that he's going to get 17 targets like he did in week one? Like, that's that, that's probably not going to happen. Like, like, not this year. That was another weird thing that happened in that game that I was at. I was like, what's yeah, going he on? he got all the targets. Fucking weird game. I wish I just stayed home and watched Red Zone. <laughs> <laughs> it's for real, yeah. Like, it's so funny how these games are terrible. At least you're a 49ers fan. You get to go and see some exciting shit. Well, for now, I'm whatever. I got to see some bullshit or whatever. Right. But, all right, look. Let's have a debate. Let's close this up, right? We're at an hour 30. Let's, let's right. do a wide receiver debate. Okay, yeah, I got one. Give me your side of the Robert Woods and Cooper Cup um, discussion about who can land where. Because I know who's getting drafted higher, but I know who everybody is saying is going to be the guy who, right. who wins. Um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because that's something that I saw was discussed on Twitter a lot. You want um, me to go first? Yeah. All right, it's Robert Woods. Yeah. That's, that's it. Like, for me, if the Rams go more 12 personnel, and it's a similar thing with Chris Godwin. Now – the difference between Chris Godwin and Cooper Cup is that Chris Godwin can play on the outside, and Cooper Cup cannot. Like he is—he can't play on the outside. Like whenever he goes, whenever he I'm goes on the outside, like he gets shut down. I'm scared about him and Thielen for that reason. Thielen can do it. Thielen did it last year. A little. I'm. 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 A, like, I'm. Like now, Justin Jefferson really has to take a step though, because that that wide receiver depth. That's why I'm in on Justin yeah. Jefferson too. Right. That because who else is there behind? Thielen? Nobody. And that's why I think Thielen is just going to get a shit ton of targets. And that's true. Uh, but I don't like. I still don't like Thielen's price though. It's a little too high for me. Mm-hmm. There are other guys that I like there. But anyway. Um. But yeah, I think it's Robert Woods, man. Like so, when Cooper, when when Brandon Cooks got hurt last year, um. Cooper, uh, they they went mainly towards twelve personnel. Uh, Gerald Everett was hurt, um, and that's when um, what's his Higby face was, was just crazy. absolutely killing it. Higby, Higby was just absolutely killing it, right? But Robert Woods was killing it too. 
Like, he was averaging, like, 95 yards a game after Cooks got hurt, you know, in those, like, seven games or whatever it is. He was killing it. And he plays on the outside. He's the number one. He gets the number one coverage. And sometimes Cooks does too, but Cooks wasn't playing. Uh, Cooper Cup was playing a little bit in the slot. And when they had to move him outside, when they were going to 12 personnel, um, what, what's, what's the other wide receiver's name that they have, the, 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 the third wide receiver? Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds was rotating in with Cooper Cup on the outside. Right. So Cooper Cup was coming off the field, and Josh Reynolds was playing on the outside. So Cooper Cup was playing a little bit on the outside, and when he was, he wasn't doing shit. Right. So that's my issue with him. If they move a little bit towards 12 personnel, Gerald Everett's going to be healthy, right? So those two guys are likely going to be on the field a lot, um, with, and what that's going to happen, what that's going to cause is then less 11 personnel, less three wide receivers, and less chance of Cooper Cup to be in the slot, and that's where he thrives. He's in a very a unique situation in this offense where he sees so many linebackers and, 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 and safeties and non-cornerbacks where he's able to produce. And Sean Mavay does a brilliant job in, in putting him in those situations, and I think he is really a system type of wide receiver. And I think if you put him in any slot and any team, it might not work as well as it does on the Rams, but I think they just do it so well, especially because of all the bunch formations that they do. Um, but I think just Woods is that guy. Like he's capable on the outside. He gets it done. He had a really good sample size without Cooks last year. He was getting targeted. He was averaging almost 10 targets per game during that span. So, you know, he's just my guy. And Cooper Cut, he was just really inconsistent during that time. Right. You know, and so, he was coming off the ACL, but at the same time, you know, he had his games. And when, in, in, in those games, like, he killed it. But in those games, he was playing in the slot. And, sure, you know, Jared Goff does look his way in the end zone, you know, in, you know, in the red zone stuff. Red but zone. I, I don't want to depend on that. I want to depend right. on the goal targets, personally. Right. So there's uh like there's a discussion out there too. It's like uh somebody put this put this out there and I thought it was a really good point. So I, like it's not my point, guys. Like, yeah. I, I can't remember who made it, but um so um people were asking, like, you know, when the personnel change came, you know, like was it based on who they were facing those weeks because they were really weak at guarding the tight end as well, too. So like was it McVeigh switching up the game plan knowing that he has to win games like you know and doing that that way or was it a, a complete philosophical change right but I think that I agree with you 100% with with the Robert Woods thing like even let's say if it changes up and it comes back because Everett is back and I I, I did he's not going anywhere I feel like like they like people forget that and this is what's getting me off of Higby a little bit is I don't think that they're going to be completely sold right to that the problem is is like you said I don't know that Cup's going to be able to live out there. You know, I know that Woods has, can, you know, and, and he just, he feels like the, like, again, like I hate using the same one. It's like, I'm going to use it twice in the same episode, but like the same balance of like floor and upside. I feel like I like, you know, week to week from him. And, and, and I feel like this offense is going to be a little bit better than it was last year because for fantasy, it was a little bit of a fucking dumpster fire. And, and when you watch them, they really just look bad at points. But mm-hmm. I think this year they're going to they're gonna be a little bit better. They have to be. They have right. to be. So the point that you brought up was a great point, though, about, you know, whether they went completely 12 personnel, whether it was a philosophy change or whether it was against the opponent. And I think it was, a, it was based on the opponent that they were going up against. And, but the thing is that before last season, before that, they were strictly 11 personnel. They're like 99%, 95% 11 personnel. 
and they went about 60% 11 personnel last season towards the end of the year. Um, so the thing is, like, Cup is going to get his opportunities in the slot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's going to move to the outside permanently. He's going to get his opportunities, and then he's going to have his games. But the fact that they are able to just switch into 12 personnel sometimes 100% of the time in certain games, that's going to scare me off a little bit because yeah. that doesn't happen. Sean McVay is going to go from 11 personnel, 95% 11 personnel this week, and next week he's going to go to, like, 75% 12 personnel? Like, what? Who does that? That's volatile. That's volatile. And that's the thing, though. Like, so if it switches, if any time that it's going to switch week to week, Woods can handle whatever role. If exactly. it switches week to week for Cup, I'm, I'm not certain that I would. Bingo. That's exactly, that's exactly why, right? And with Gerald Everett back, too, you know, uh, you know, things are going to change there as well. Those targets are going to be split between potentially Everett and, uh, and Higby, right? Higby wasn't doing shit before Gerald Everett got hurt. I'm not saying he's not capable. He obviously is. He, by the way, he was also going up against the worst, the you know, worst defenses against yeah. tight ends. Uh, besides the 49ers, even though they kind of fell off a little bit against the tight end towards the end of the year. But he, I was surprised when he did what he did against, against the 49ers. Um, and, and what, bootlegs that whole game. Why, why was that? Why was that? So they were just killing us with bootlegs. Like that's that was the game that they like they were like D Ford wasn't playing and they just they kept hitting us like with, with the same bootleg. Like once we that's finally right. made the adjustment, like around the second quarter, and then when when Goff threw that pick six at, at the half, uh-huh. um, that was it. Like we kinda we kinda took that away and they had to go back to traditional shit. But right. when they were hitting us with the bootleg, they were running the same action as Shanahan runs, where they flood everybody one way and the one guy sneaks out and when by the time he's like it's like a pitching catch for golf and they were right. ripping. And it wasn't just it wasn't just Higby in that game. Like Cup scored a touchdown in that game, mm-hmm. but Robert Woods was crushing. That was like when Robert Woods started like going up like towards the end of the year. Like was I remember it, that game. You, you must have been going up against Sherman a lot of that game. So a little bit, but the thing is, is that you know, again, when we were running the cover three, like Sherman, right. like my backs off, you know, and like yeah, where, yeah. where Woods was living in a place where we were giving it up like up front, so we could just come tackle. But yep. he, they, they were getting chunk gains with with Higby, and that shit was getting me mad. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So that's, that's kind of where I stand on that. So it's going to be an interesting situation. I think Cooper Cup is being overdrafted a little bit. The thing is, like, his upside is amazing. If he, right. if, if I know that he's going to be a strictly slot player, like, I'm in more, I would be more in on Cup than I am on Woods because I right. think he presents more upside, especially because Jared Goff favors him in the red zone. Right. But if you look at their ADPs, Cup is 404. Oh, it's a lot closer now. Cup is 404, Robert Woods is 407. Yeah. Like, sometimes I say, you know what I was getting, like, early in, like, these dynasty startups? Like, when I would go, like, you know, I'd go running back heavy. Like, you know, if I was getting me, like, I would get me, like, a Chubb, and I would get me, like, like an Eckler or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I was waiting for, like, Allen Robinson and then Robin right. Woods, Robert Woods. See, right. that's why, like, when you ask me, like, when you ask me, like, why is it all, like, these win-now teams? Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the guys grab the rookies, like they're just going crazy with them in the beginning. It's true, yeah. man. It's true. So you might as well get that early championship. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like, like, and the other thing is, is when I don't trade up or anything like that and don't move, like I have all my picks for next year. Right. So I can also reload, you know, like, I like, at the end, like, like, uh, you know, I won one league or whatever and I got a, the 11th pick or whatever. I ended up with CD. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm fine. You know, like, it's it, the super flex leagues, though, like, all those guys go. Like, Joe Burrow was 1-1, one, one, and then right. it, like, and then it changes. Right. But, like, to get CD at 12 after I competed and won the championship, that's a pretty good reload. And then that puts other people on the block. See, this is what I like about Dynasty. Dynasty is the all-year, like, shit. Like, that, that whole GM shit, like, that shit is dope. Like, I want to get into one of those leagues where it's, 
the 32 teams, you take one of them on and you have their whole roster. Right. That should be dope. That's time consuming, though. Like, I don't know. I got to, like, be able to, like. Yeah, man, because it's a lot. You got to learn a lot. You got to know everything. You got to know every position. You got to know all the depth. You got to know all of that. So, yes. I just would. I would have to just take the Niners. I said anybody else, I'd be like. After a while, I'd be like, uh. You probably do well though, because you probably know. You probably know everybody on Niners. Yeah, that um, that's the only thing that they'd have to let me get that team. But they, they I'm sure <laughs> they would get drafted early, right? I better have a high pick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Faraz, uh, almost like two hours, man. It's great to be on with you again, man. Um, I had a blast. Um, tell them where to follow you on um on uh, all the platforms. Yeah, man, this was fun. Um. Uh, upper hand fantasy on instagram and that's it just hit me up dm me um and and that's it let's start a conversation uh, if you have any draft questions or anything like that or you just want to talk fantasy or whatever just hit me up i'm gonna go you, you could text them i think the number is two yeah. eight oh, three three oh no i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> 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 no i'm i'm dead ass gonna give my phone number out right now uh, that's it. Go for it. 718-306-6701 that's it. a queen's number if you're wondering that's it guys uh, i appreciate it man thanks for having me though no egg you, you already know what it is bro you already know what it is um yeah i'm just happy to be back so i you know guys uh, i'm gonna be trying you know the best i can probably probably just gonna start doing this i've been in the house so like i got nothing but time i think i'm just gonna get back into just doing this so i wanted to get my feet wet feels good i'm gonna start working on the format we're gonna get right back into it and we're gonna get you guys those championships that you want so that's it um, for Faraz and Jay, we out of here, man. Take it easy, guys.